Elon Musk tweeted this tweet about Ukraine and I don't understand what he's saying. I don't have the context of history of Ukraine. So I brought here my teacher to explain me everything about Ukraine <laughs> so I can understand what Elon Musk said in his tweet. You have to explain to people that uh, whatever Elon Musk says, you must understand. <laughs> yes, I don't like und- <laughs> not understanding things and especially when Elon Musk said it. <laughs> yeah, and this story goes back many years. I mean, since I remember Fidias, Fidias always come to me and say, you have to know that Fidias wants to understand everything what Elon Musk says. <laughs> or whatever he tweets or whatever and he always come to me yeah and sometimes it's about uh, philosophy sometimes it's about uh, science especially physics which is easy for me but okay this time is history <laughs> but you are lucky because uh, okay I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm a physics teacher I'm a physicist and I'm not uh, I'm not qualified to f- no he is <laughs> guys he spent 10 years of his life understanding the history of Balkans and around there Ukraine and Russia so he's the most qualified person <laughs> I ever watched on the internet to talk about Yeah, but as, about an, as an amateur, okay, I'm not a historian. But anyway, I know the region because I, I lived for sometimes in Moldova, sometime, actually many years in Moldova, which is neighboring Ukraine. And I kind of know about these things. Anyway, okay, let's uh, Let's start. dive into it. Okay. okay, tell me, what is... What is Ukraine? When so, it started? What do you, what you don't understand about about this tweet? Nothing. <laughs> and send supervision. Russia lives if is. Okay, uh, uh, let me help you. Okay, the fir- the first the first part is uh, redo elections of our next regions. Okay, elections means referendums. Okay, Russia did. Russia. Uh, annex some parts of of Ukraine as you know in, in the in the course of this war and they they did some referendums in order to 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 show that the people there want them so Elon Musk proposed that these referendums should be done again under UN supervision because so the obvi- previous time obviously is Russia did it. yeah Russia is not trusted may pro- probably they they want to 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 f- to make a fraud or something like that so, so and whose idea was to make a referendum there in from Russia just Russia to Russia show? want to show that the local people which are occupied by them approve their their appearance there I mean approve that they are under Russia and they want unification because Russia declare that want to annex this officially this this regions of Ukraine as parts of Russia. So so Elon proposed here that this this referendum should be redone under UN supervision which which means under under uh, a trusted authority, unbiased authority. And if the will of the people is Russia to leave from these places, these regions then Russia leaves, which means that if the will of the people is Russia to stay, then Russia, prop- he proposed that Russia stays, which is, which kind, is of kind of very crazy. Provocative, actually. Yeah, because, okay, the, if you want to understand this part, then you have to understand the history of Ukraine. What kind of Ukrainians would wish genuinely Russia to be there, which sounds a bit contradictory because no one talks really 
about the people that lives there. Usually, they're, they're not. I mean, their narrative by by the media is like there is just one Ukrainian people. The, all Ukrainians have the same opinion about their history, about their culture, which actually is not exactly true. All Ukrainians are not are not unified. And okay, they are one people. Everybody in Ukraine, everybody who declares that he's Ukrainian, he's Ukrainian. But there are kind of two kinds of Ukrainians. Some Ukrainians look eastwards towards Russia for cultural inspiration. Even their language is Russian. They are Russian-speaking Ukrainians, although the medias don't want to stress this fact. And there's another part of Ukraine that they look westwards. They prefer to speak Ukrainian language. So, okay, I think this is a fact, I, I believe that this is a fact that should be taken into consideration. Whatever the outcome of this war is, is and even if Russia leaves, which is, this is aspiration of, of, of the Ukrainian cause, then they will have to deal with this problem that is a part of the, a big part of the population. With no percentage? Is no, it's not easy because, you know, when I say there are two kinds of Ukrainian, let's say, there is everything in between too, even linguistically. So the more you go towards south, southeast, towards Russia, towards south and east, towards the sea and to the east, roughly, people tend to be more look towards Russia for their aspiration. I mean, th this was the situation before the war. Now it's difficult to know. Maybe now they change their mind now and they, they all want to be just Ukrainians and have nothing to do with Russia. We don't really know what's going on now. But anyway, traditionally, let's say until 2013 when all this started, I know for sure that these people, like the more you go to the south and east, the people look m more towards Russia for their, like, like uh, identity and uh, ethnic. Uh, they feel Russia closer. Yeah, than, they feel than the West, West because, okay, it's Ukraine. You have the West, you have the East. In the East is Russia. In the West is Europe. So, the more you go south and east, people look more towards Russia for their ethnic inspiration. And linguistically, they speak more Russian. The more you go north and west, people look now towards the west for their, I mean, for their ethnic inspiration, and they speak more their own Ukrainian language. But it's everything in between. <laughs> you cannot put a line. It's not like it's not like a, a usual national minority that you have distinct uh, lines between the majority and the minority or the two communities, let's say, like in the case of Cyprus, for example, or in other ethnic conflicts where you have, for example, in Cyprus, you have two communities. I speak about Cyprus because you know the Cyprus problem. So in Cyprus, we have two communities that they are in conflict because, you know, this problem of, of Ukraine is quite kind of similar with the Cyprus problem, like most of the ethnic conflicts, I think. So... Uh, in Cyprus you have the Greeks which are Christian Orthodox that they speak the Greek language and you have the Turks 
which are Muslims, and they speak the Turkish language. Okay, Turkish language and Greek language, they are very different than each other. So you cannot say you have Greek speakers and Turkish speakers and everything in between. You can't. But you immediately the, identify this is a Turkish person. Yeah, it's and this clearly is, who is Turkish. And, lingu- yeah, and linguistically, because they speak two totally distinct languages. And they have different religions. Different religions. You language. cannot have everything in between in, but, in religion. But in Russia, it's kind of complicated in, because in, they have all the same language and they look the same. So it's difficult to identify. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. In the whole. case of Cyprus, we look the same. So in some conflicts, like for example, in the conflicts of Burundi and Rwanda, I refer to this because I know you know you've been there. Between the <laughs> hood, you give example that I know. That okay, I, I'm explaining to you that I, <laughs> I don't feel that anybody else watched this. I'm <laughs> explaining to you. You wanted it to you wanted it to be publicly open, but anyway, well, I think these are two very classical examples. I mean, the Cyprus problem and the Rwanda Burundi problem. In Rwanda Burundi Burundi is kind of close to Ukrainian because people have the same language there. And they have the same religion there too. But there they have distinct, not very clearly, distinct physical uh, features. They're supposed to be like, the, I think the Tutsis are the ones that they are more towards uh, Semitic, Nilotic features. And, the, and, isn't it? And, and the Hudus are the ones that they look more like typical African. Isn't it like that? Not very Remember, funny. anyway, the one of the two groups are, is more like, uh, supposed to be more tall and... I mean, they look more Semitic, more like towards the Nilotic, the, like the Ethiopians or something. So the only distinct they can find is like physical characteristics. In the case of Ukraine, you, it's everything in between. You cannot say that this is a Ukrainian speaking or a Russian speaking Ukrainian from the features of the, I mean, physical features. Language is also not distinct because people there tend to speak both two languages. And even you have a, a mixed kind of, of language that is spoken in, uh, in areas in between, which is not clear if it's Russian or Ukrainian, because these two languages are very are closely related. They are very, very, very close. Uh, to are they? Uh, yeah, they are, very, they, they, are, they are Slavic language. Both so their language is very similar, Russian. It's similar, so you can have a, an, an in-between language, which is not the case in Cyprus, because the languages are not so similar. So that's why it's a bit confusing for it's the people to confusing. understand. Confusing, it's confusing who to, is who. To, to, it's confusing to to show that there are two communities, a kind of in Ukrainian, in Ukraine. Uh, so it's like it's like an invisible division, a kind of a, like there is an invisible minority, let's say in Ukraine. Anyway, <laughs> so roughly th- this is a problem. So and and the other part of the of 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 the of the tweet is like it talks about Crimea, and it's it's have some specific information like Crimea. It says Crimea formerly part of Russia, which used to be a part of of Russia. Okay, it was Crimea was Russia until the 1950s. Uh, so Elon Musk made a mistake. No, there. no, no, he didn't make a mistake. But w- with the word Russia, it means the um, the Russian uh, how you call it Soviet Socialist Republic within the Soviet Union. So it's, it's not the country Russia. Is 
it's a part of the Soviet Union, which was called like the Russian uh, Soviet uh, Socialist Republic. It's not so a mistake. You the, can't call the, it Russia. The, the Russia that he's talking about, he's talking about the Soviet Union yeah, back then. Yeah, a kind of a state. Which with, it's not exactly the same like it is today. Because yeah. the Soviet Union uh, it, fought, fell. Yeah, but okay, it was a part of Russia until 1950s which means a part of the same country, Soviet Union. Ukraine was another one of these uh, 14... Uh, 14 was. Soviet, Soviet Union was comprised... With 14... 14 depart- states, a kind of... What, four zero or f- one f- four? four? One four. One four. Uh, I think. Anyway, something like that. Uh, Soviet Socialist Republics, and one was Russia, and the other one was Ukraine as a part of the same state, same same country. And uh, during the 1950s, uh, uh, for practical reasons, the, the Soviet um, government decided to, to shift this region, Crimea, which is, Crimea is this kind of uh, peninsula in the south of... Uh, when you talk about history, you need to show the map anyway. Okay, we have, I, I w- we'll I have maps here prepared for you, yeah, for w- you guys to see. And because he's saying something, he knows history very well and he's telling me when you don't have a map <laughs> close to you when you are talking about history wait like, wait wait, wait. Google be- maps. because actually it's, it's cool because you need to see where the place is what happened and to understand you, you know what whenever somebody tried to explain you history and there there is no need to to show the map then something's wrong <laughs> Either the, the person tries to, I mean, not to explain you, to fool you or whatever, to, not to explain you the history, or is so skillful historian that he can do it without the map. But, but it, the people that they are listening, you, they cannot comprehend without the map. They so. could if this is ideally skillful historian, but I think whenever you talk about history, every moment you need to have the map in front of you. So, so this is Ukraine. This is like the western part. This is the south. I mean, northwestern part, southeastern part. I mean, the more you go to this direction, is where you found more like. This is what we were saying before. Ra- mo- the more this direction is, you found people that they are more, I um, close to Russian kind of, not Russian identity. They, they they never say that they are Russian. They say Ukrainians, but they they seek their inspiration through their historical ties with Russia and linguistical. I mean, their language, which is, is more Russian. The more you go to the north and, and, and east, you find the people that they, they identify themselves more to, with the west. They, they, like, they identify with their difference with Russians. Here they stress their similarities with Russia and more towards here they stress their differences with Russia. That's the, part, that, that's the main part of their identity. So they identify more with the west. They say we are Europeans. They identify more with the West. Anyway, and and Crimea is is this like peninsula here, which was interesting, a part of all that down the sea. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. this this peninsula. So this peninsula here was a part of the Russian Soviet Socialist Republic until. Is it one of the fourteen, or that was the peninsula? No, the peninsula. It was just a part of. It was part of Russia until the 50s, and then the, the central government of, of the Soviet Union decided that it's more practical 
because it's obviously it's closer to Ukraine, I mean, you can see it, it's more practical to shift it in this state of the country, the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic. And but this, back then it was everything kind of part of Russia. Yeah, no, part of the Soviet Union. We shouldn't call it Russia because Russia was a part of the Soviet Union. So Elon Musk made a mistake calling no, it Russia. No, it's not a mistake. It's like it was called Russia. I mean, but as a, as, as, as a as a region, as a state of, of, of the country. So it was like the United States of America? And California is the one and the other is like Texas and... The, uh, What I don't know if what is neighboring to California anyway. Uh, anyway, two neighbor <laughs> two neighboring states, and there's Arizona. A <laughs> okay, okay. If there's a part of Arizona, and the federal government decide to to shift this part for practical reasons, it is something internal. Anyway, and uh, so back it, back then it was. The same thing, Ukraine. It, it wasn't yeah. a big deal. It was not like changing a, yeah, a it country. Yeah, like giving to Arizona one part of Texas, kind of, of, of California. Because it's more, yeah. No, not a big deal. No, it's still in the same country, the same Not people. such a big deal, yeah. And uh, Elon is calling this Khrushchev's mistake because uh, Khrushchev was uh, the the... Secretary General, like the president of, of Soviet Union in that time, so he called it a mistake. Like, like the this this act was of not gi- of giving Crimea of, to of, Ukraine, of shifting it. Yeah, oh, oh. it was practical reasons. Th- that's a bold statement for Elon to say. You can't say the mistake. It was just a miscalculation, maybe. But anyway, it was practically was it makes more sense because it's more closely. I mean, the, the, now there's a bridge here, but. Then it, it was no bridge, so it was more, I mean, for geographical reasons, this region was more close to, I mean, it was more easy, the access was easier to okay. Ukraine than okay. to Russia. There you should go by boat or something. So okay. it's, it, Tell me a bit more about the president uh, of... Uh, the secretary but, general yeah, yeah. was, I mean, this particular one, Khrushchev. Yeah. Khrushchev. Um, what do you want to know about him? It's, it's, not, it's not so relevant. I mean, he... He was. He was a good. Uh, he's not. He's not uh, it was the time. I don't care if he was good or not. <laughs> I mean, he was Soviet. He's not a part of the, the, this. I mean, we don't care about him. Do you care? I mean, I don't have an opinion about him. I'm, he was nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I don't really like the Soviet Union so much as a, as a state. But anyway. Um, anyway, the other thing here is it's this. There's a date here, 1783. Okay, in 1783, obviously there was no Soviet Union. I mean, Soviet Union started its existence in the 1920s. Interesting. So, before the 1920s, it was the Russian Empire. So, when you say Russia, if it's before the 1920s, you mean the Russian Empire, which was there for centuries. When it's after the 1920s, the same word Russia kind of means Sometimes we say Russia for the whole Soviet Union, which is wrong, or is the part of the Soviet Union that co- that was called Russian Soviet Socialist Republic. So uh, Russia was one of the 14 states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after the ni- 1990, when when was dissolved the Soviet Union, Russia became an independent country. Interesting. So the same word can mean these three things. Okay, what happened in 1783? 
Okay, this is a big difficult. So, so we need to talk about like real history now. I mean, if you want me to understand, to make you understand what means hardcore this. history, hardcore I mean, regular history. <laughs> okay, water supply to Crimea is I don't care about. This is not history. And okay, Ukraine remains neutral. What does this is he poly- mean by water supply to Crimea? Sure. I don't really care about this because it's not. I mean, I care about water to Crimea, but I guess it's because. I mean, I guess Ukraine gets its water from <laughs> from Ukraine, not from Russia, because it's closer anyway. I don't know. So Elon means that after the solution, whatever. That's fine. Elon just was sitting on the toilet writing this, and we analyze every word like is it <laughs> yeah but you know millions of people watch it and it was a reaction by president zelensky i mean of course he, he, whenever he, whenever Elon talks i mean the world listens so it's not just a joke anyway but water supply to crimea means okay assured whatever the solution of the problem crimea needs water anyway so yeah. so but i don't understand because uh, the, the water if, if if crimea remains to russia then they will need somehow water anyway and if this is another country and this is another country after the solution Ukraine have to assure that we will give Crimea water, when, okay. w- whatever happened, even before solution or after solution. And this happened in 1780. Okay, and Ukraine remains neutral. This is also it's politics. So this is water and this Ukraine remains neutral. I don't care. But I, I want to explain the history of the things anyway. I mean, you understand that Ukraine remains neutral. It's a political statement. What means Ukraine remains neutral? Not in the side of Russia, not in the side of the West, which means NATO, but neutral. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is clearly understood. Okay, the, the two first are the interesting ones. So... <laughs> The thing is that uh, this topic is a bit hot now. I mean, it's obvious it's hot. And now it's the war going on there. People are dying. Russia is the aggressor. I mean, I mean they made first uh, the, the invasion. So if I want to be neutral, some people will op- will expect for somebody not to be neutral and accuse the Russians all the time and take the side of of uh, the Ukrainian government. It, it, it's not my intention now to take any side. I, I will try to be neutral and not to be misunderstood. I will <laughs> I will start with a statement. The statement is just Slava Ukraina. Slava Ukraina means uh, glory to Ukraine. And I want to declare that if I, if I think that I say sounds more like against Ukrainian official narrative. I want to declare that I, I really admire Ukraine, Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian history. Actually, I, I adore this part of the world. I really love this part of the world. I don't want to offend anybody who believes different things, but I think if you, the word glory and the word and the word the word um, I'm afraid the truth are not matched together. So if you believe that your nation is glorious, then you are not afraid to say the truth. Even if 
or if you are not afraid to confront any lie that if if I, if I'm I say lies whatever so I believe Ukrainian nation Ukrainians Ukraine is so glorious that they shouldn't be afraid of any truth they need they don't need to fabricate anything I mean their history is, is clear and when you feel that your nation is glorious then you are not afraid to face the truth so Anyway, I, I apologize if somebody misunderstands. I don't want to offend anybody, but this is how I understand history, and I'm not I'm not and a specialist. With, and with that being said, and with that being said, so, dive into it. Okay, so uh, how long deep inside time you want me oh, to? Oh, well, can just I go like thousands of years? Or <laughs> to to uh, I mean, okay. Okay, can I go s- yeah. thousands of years? Yeah, like history is history. Okay, Be- no, because I, it, it's a bit far away to understand, I mean, to explain 1783 and you need to go like 500 uh, AD, which roughly there is the f- earliest thing that you can say about Ukrainian history, I think. Is okay with you, I mean. Yes, <laughs> we have time. I approve. Okay, so I, I, I prepare some maps here. Uh, this what I was talking about this division of the country. You know, in history, it's 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 always good idea to look for sources that they are not they don't look like so much directly related to history. It's more like more indirect, a, a kind of more genuine. So let's talk a little bit for 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 the recent history of Ukraine now. I will not exceed the year 2013 when everything what's happening now in Ukraine started kind of okay the big thing started like 10 months ago with with, with the invasion but but um, this was happening now I don't I don't want to go I, I I said to myself I will not exceed the limit of 2013 because these things are happening still now and I mean history cannot deal with them I mean you need some distance in time to understand I mean didn't talk about this so I don't want to be to talk about those years but I mean the years before I think it can't be can't be can't be said so how someone can see that really there is this division in Ukraine okay if you go there you will see that the more you go south and, and east you hear around you more Russian the more you go north and and west the more you hear around you Uh, Ukrainian language with this clear but if you okay a good way to to like see roughly this division of cultural division of the country is through the electoral history so I, I, I which means I went I went to Wikipedia Wikipedia and and try to see the the, the results of the of, of the elections after the year 2000. So why I decide the year 2000? I mean, roughly around the year 2000, you see the first political manifestation of this division. Until the year 2000, roughly, the government of, of Ukraine was aligned with, with Russia. I mean, they were like allies or subordinate, you can say, I don't know how to say. I mean, they were in agreement with Russia. The first voices that uh, started appearing saying that we don't want to be like a 
puppet kind of or I mean we don't want to be we want to be an independent player than Russia which means we want to see towards the west because there's no other direction I mean in Ukraine you you, you either see westwards or eastwards you, you watch towards Russia or towards the European Union there's no other other inspiration other I mean pole of inspiration anyway so so this was a time when this appeared into existence with, uh, I mean, this, this is a story related with two politicians, uh, Viktor Yushchenko and Yulia Timoshenko. What time? 2000 around. Uh, so after the year 2000, this idea that some Ukrainians from before, and the more you go north and, and, and west, you found more Ukrainians that, they would want Ukraine to be a part of the Western world. But it, it started to be politicized. So after this year, you see even in politics, two kinds of political parties. The one looks towards the West and the other towards the East. So if we, if we go to, I mean, I, I found some, <laughs> the election result, and I, I will, I mean, m many elections anyway, but if you start from the year 2000, to the parliamentary elections, and you watch the results, you don't need to know what's going on. You see, it's pretty clear. Different thing here and different thing here. So, what's the blue and the I, purple? I, we don't need to explain this now. This is a kind of communist party. These are the more close towards Russia, and these are the parties. So this is the results of the of the yeah of the more so you clearly see here there is a line Ukraine is divided kind of in two opinions so if you go to the presidential elections of 2004 2004 is the year of, of the first kind of real revolution they call it ukraine they, they call it orange revolution but i don't need to go to details anyway now because i, I i'm more interested in, in in the in the in the more distant past so you, we, we see again i mean these are the, the, the this is the 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 final round the, the two rivals i mean the pro western pro eastern yanukovych uh, yanukovych and yushenko again you see this kind of line here you don't need to explain now this is the more pro russian and the more so so if you go to to, to any election, I mean, I found many here. I mean, uh, 2006 parliamentary election, again, similar. I mean, again, you see this line here, which is, is not now time to explain. Very interesting. 2007. The same thing. Similar thing. 2010. This is Yulia Timoshenko. This is again Yanukovych. Okay, there are many things that should be said about those things, but uh, it's not my intention now to... So uh, we see again, again this line. And, okay, this line goes 12 uh, parliamentary. Again, the line... This is tw 2012. 12 now, another election, and... It's enough to go like until here because I say I will not exit the year 2013 when the revolution of dignity started in Ukraine. I mean, the th things became very hot. I don't want to go. So, okay, this was just to persuade you that there is a kind of a line there. And this is like 
results of elections. So it cannot be. It's, it's not official history. So we believe that there is their kind of truth. I mean, they cannot be fraud. All these elections, some of them were under pro-Russian government. Some some of them are I mean, Ukrainian government. Some of them were under pro-Western government. Pro, pro I mean, pro government. So I mean. Nobody can deny that this is a fact, that there is a kind of a line, that there are two distinct identities in Ukraine. But I will stress again that both these people believe that they are Ukrainians. They say we are Ukrainians. Even if they speak Russian, you could call them Russian-speaking or Russophile, but they're Ukrainians. They look like Russians. If they speak Russian, if they, their names are Russian, if their religion is Russian, even, even in religious terms the countries divide I mean the two churches the one is is uh, autocephalus and the other is uh, tied to the Russian patriarchate so people in the south and and, and and east of Ukraine they look identical to Russia <laughs> if they, they speak Russian they are tied to the same church they have the same religion they have the same faces they have the same names but there is an element which is important they say I'm Ukrainian which is important. So they are a different kind of, it's like the other Ukraine. And I, I will stress again that whatever the outcome of this war is, even like the victory of Ukraine and the Russians go outside every part of Ukraine, even Crimea, then these two kinds of, these communities must found a way to reconcile. Anyway, which is very difficult. It's like in the case of Cyprus. It's like in the case of, of, of every every conflict. But to have reconciliation, you need the truth. Like truth and reconciliation go together. So it's not possible to have the Ukraine of the future with the Western Ukrainians just deny that these people are. I mean, they have this kind of cultural inspiration that they are just wrong and that they have to become like Th us this is or, the other or the other way around. Yeah. I don't want to mention okay. names now so much. This is what, I mean, Zelensky is it's a person. I don't want to talk about people. Western Ukrainians want to see Eastern Ukrainians be more like them. Perhaps the other ones want them to be like them. I think the country have to, and to, 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 to recognize the fact that there are two kinds of Ukrainians, both Ukrainians, both proud to be Ukrainians, that in the country there, there are two languages. You can't deny that some people speak Russian language. I mean, this is their language. I mean, unless, I don't know now, maybe now after the war they change their mind, most of them, but still you have people that in the Donetsk and, and Lugansk region in Crimea, eight years now they live under Russia. So I don't really believe that they, they change their mind, that they decide to change their language from Ukrainian into Russian. So anyway, they will have to face this. And I think that, and you know, the media don't, don't show up this thing. I mean, in the media, everybody, I mean, the mainstream media, everybody talks about one unified single Ukrainian people. They are one people because they say they are. But this cultural difference and linguistic difference 
it's important anyway. But I cannot say in which extent now, because after the war and after all these um, things that happened, maybe people change their mind. I, I don't want to say. Anyway, let's dive into history now to explain you what is to you and to the... <laughs> I tend to forget that there are people around. <laughs> I thought it's just you. Okay. Uh, so I think a, a good way to start talking about history it's about language because nations is, 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 is it's, it, which anyway the national identity is based mainly on language isn't it I mean religion and language are the two factors Nations is, is more like a modern and more like imagined uh, concept, the nation. But language is genuine. I mean, you can't deny that. Language is not a human construct. Language is a natural construct. So, so, so we take language and as, we find uh, the truth. Yeah, uh, uh, there. yeah, through language, I think, is better than through the idea of the nation itself. Yeah, because, because nation is, doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's something a construct. Know, it's imagined. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. See, but language is alive. Language is a, it's kind of real thing. It's, it's not imagined. So, so I, I, I like to base in in maps. Not so, not only maps, but da, yeah. dynamic maps. So, so th this is a map of of the history of European languages. And it starts very, very, very back in four thousand BC. So this is England. This is England. <laughs> This is England. This is Britain. Anyway. Okay, here is Ukraine. Yes. You don't need to go so back. Now it's like 3,600 BC. You don't need to go this back to understand Ukrainian history. Ukraine, this is uh, before Christ. Before Christ and before everything. You see only Proto-Indo-European. If you want me, I can start from this time. But I think it's so irrelevant. that. Okay. You have the Indo-European languages, and one of the one of the branches of the Indo-European languages is the Slavic languages. So, okay, this scene now here shows that the Indo-European started from this point and they spread around Europe. But this is not so relevant. It, it's better to start when you see this word Slavic. So. Indo-European languages, wow, like, um, you know, there is another thing I want to show. This is a a picture of of the of the European languages. Okay, <laughs> why you laugh? Because you understand nothing about. He it. was telling me that he was looking at this picture for like hours. <laughs> I like so, <laughs> I like linguistics so much. Anyway, so. These are the European languages, and you see three main kind of concentrations of things. Oh my God, I love this. We're talking about history and we're learning linguistics now as well. It's I mean, beautiful. Historical linguistics, I, I mean, linguistics and, 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 I mean, history is so much tied to languages because, I mean, it, I mean, this is the real, I mean, nations, I, I told you, are concept, but language is there anyway. So, these are the, the languages of Europe, a and you see three main three main families. The one is what we call Latin languages, which is 
is uh, Italian, Italian French. French. This is their distance, kind of linguistic, lexical distance. So if you see the, the, the picture closer to each other, it means that they are more related. They are more mutually uh, intelli intelligible. So is this like Italian, Spanish, Portuguese are closer to Spanish than to French. Catalan, Romanian is distant than ever, but these are all Latin. If you go to the Germanic languages, you have English, you have Dutch, which is closer to English than German, and then you have the Scandinavian ones, which are, are far away from the others, but you look how close is Norwegian with, uh, with Danish, Swedish a bit further away, Icelandic, so... This is a small family, the Baltic languages, just two languages, Latvian and, and Lithuanian Latvian, Greek alone, <laughs> our language. It's not close to any. Yeah, because it, like, Greek is like an own language, li like, uh, like Albanian. And this is, this is the family that we're interested in now. This is the Slavic languages, Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, Czech, Belarusian. This part is more interesting for us now. Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian, and Polish for some reason. So Ukrainian, Belarusian, and Russian is, is a branch of the Slavic languages, which is a branch of the Indo-European languages. So you have the family Indo-European those languages plus Iranian and Indian, which makes the Indo-European family, it's a detail. One branch of this is the Slavic languages, which is divided into the Eastern Slavic languages, which is Russian, Ukrainian, and Belarusian. Western, which is like Polish, Czech, and Slovak. And Southern, Bulgarian, uh, Serbian, Slavic Macedonian, and with Serbian, Serbo-Croatian, it's like a family you can see very, very close to each other. It's Serbian, uh, Croatian, and, and, um, and uh, Bosnian. It used to be one, one language. You see how close they are? Yeah. And then you have Slovene. Okay, so Slavic language, they have three branches. The Eastern, which is what we are interested, Russian, Ukrainian, and, and and uh, Belarusian, Western, Polish, Czech, and Slovak. We are interested especially in, Pol in Polish. So you see Ukrainian is between Russian and Polish for some reason. Uh, and actually this is like, how is it in the map as well? No, this is how it's, okay. Kind of, because the geographical proximity shows some linguistic proximity, then it is more yeah, likely yeah. to talk similar to somebody who lives closer to you. Yeah, yeah but this is not the map of Europe, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Greek is between those two. I mean, Greece is here. Yeah, if you yeah. See it's like, not the rule. Yeah, but if you take the same family, because in linguistics you have this, what we call a mutual intelligibility. So you cannot have mutual intelligibility between languages that they are distant. So, okay, there is a kind of lexical distance. This is 
lexical distance. This is not generally linguistic distance. But it shows the mutual intelligibility anyway. But if you have no intelligibility, you don't talk with each other. I mean, somebody with Greek cannot try to talk to anybody from them or from, I mean, the Germanic languages, the, the, the Latin languages. But between them, they can have a conversation. So, so that's why you see these glosters of language. I mean, they can kind of communicate, they can kind of communicate, they can kind of communicate, but among them, difficult. Anyway, you can't come with your English and start talking with somebody in Russia. There are some words that they will understand. So someone that speaks Italian can understand French, in, Italian. If we believe, Okay, this is just lexical. It's not uh, in, in language. You don't have just words. I mean, you have okay. also other features, grammar. And, but if if we take this as a general linguistic distance, it's easier to understand if you are if you are Spanish. It's easier to understand somebody who speaks Italian than somebody who speaks French. But they can try to have a conversation. Like Italians with with Spanish, they could. I mean kind of they will understand each other kind of what percentage this means distance anyway so the more they understand each other the more closer is the language okay for example in But the case ukrainians and russians can understand each other if they don't know any uh, one person knows only russia can and understand until a certain extent but the fun the thing is in ukraine because everybody speaks russian and They have even this code switching. Sometimes they shift from Russian to Ukrainian because so many years, I mean, during Soviet Union, Ukrainian speakers were all bilingual. I mean, the perfect Russian speakers. So it's tricky. If you want to see this, you can. You should go to like Ukrainian immigrants that they left uh, many years ago and they went to Canada or, or, or the US. And I mean, the third generation now, they had no contact with Russian. Then you will find the purely... Uh, purely Ukrainian speakers and if you put them with Russians then you will see that it's not so close as it looks like but in Ukraine anybody in Ukraine can communicate with a Russian person because they speak Russian anyway uh, it's like in the case of Cyprus you know in Cyprus we have the Cyprus dialect can you define how close is to the Greek language you can't really because every Cypriot speaker can speak Greek So you can't really know if somebody speaks only Cypriot language. For example, we have some speakers in Cyprus. I mean, the Turkish Cypriots that they speak, uh, we have some villages, I don't know if you know it, some, some, Turkish, speaking, some Turkish Cypriot villages, they are Greek speaking. And they all speak, people speak more Greek, I mean, among themselves. Okay, if you ask such a person that they speak like the Cyprus dialect, uh, And they don't speak the, the, the Greek uh, uh, standardized Greek lang language, that the one that we learn at school. And if you ask him, do you understand the news? They would tell you, not really. Perhaps nothing. So there you can see that our dialect is a, it's a kind of distant from Greek. But you cannot see because you speak both languages. So it's the same kind of Ukrainian and Russian. And anyway, the languages are not far away from each other. Everybody is bilingual. The alphabet is close. The alphabet is also similar, which is another indication of, I mean, alphabet. Of what? Alphabet. The 
I mean, it's interesting you mentioned alphabet. Alphabet is even more genuine indication of history than the language itself. Okay, it's, why? It, it's because the alphabet you choose to write your language shows, uh, first shows the re religious affiliation. So Muslims tend to write in Arabic script. Catholics uh, tend to write in Latin script and Orthodox tend to write in Cyrillic script and Greek. Okay, Greek, but Greek is just for Greeks. So, and the fact that the, the texts now, they don't use the Arabic script is a kind of uh, dissonance in this. Or, or the Romanians, they don't use the Cyrillic script, which was the case until uh, the 19th century. It's also a kind of dissonance. It's kind so of, uh, what you are saying basically is like with the alphabet, you choose to have the alphabet and the letter and uh, that is closer to who you feel you are. Kind of, and yeah. And who you a, feel a, you want to be. And it's more genuine. So this is another interesting indication for Ukrainian. Uh, tell me about Ukrainian uh, alphabet. The Ukrainian alphabet is Cyrillic. If the Ukrainians were always aspiring to be close to the West, so much, which alphabet do you think they would have to write their language? Which, the Cyrillic or Arabic or what? Uh, what is the thing of Russia? Russia is Cyrillic alphabet. So I guess Cyrillic. Cyrillic is when you feel closer to Russia. And the other one is? What is the other option? What do you think? I'm, I'm asking you now. I'm checking you. Uh, European. European, which is which alphabet? Uh, Scandinavian? La Latin. Latin. Latin language. I mean, like English alphabet, Italian alphabet, Polish alphabet. So, the fact that Ukrainians, until now, they have the Cyrillic alphabet and not the Latin one, like their neighboring Polish, it shows something about. So po po Poland has closer to Europe. Yeah. The, the, how we say that? Latin? Latin alphabet. Latin alphabet. Okay. So Poland has closer to Latin. Poland is Polish people are Catholic anyway. So you wouldn't expect them to have the Arabic alphabet because they are not Muslims. The Cyrillic alphabet because they are not Orthodox. Okay. The the Ukrainians could have the, the Latin alphabet like their neighboring Romanians, which although they are Orthodox they shifted during the 19th century to the Latin alphabet. That's why today Romanian language is written in, not in Cyrillic until, which was the, 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 the alphabet w which used to be written until the 19th century. And they have the Latin one. And this is an indication that these people from what time they start they started having Ukrainian started having the Cyrillic alphabet. alphabet since they started writing their language which is also an interesting moment when they started I think they started writing their language sometime in the in the course of the 19th century they started writing their Ukrainian distinct Ukrainian language. 19th that's that's a lot later yeah, but it's a part of the... Later than what? 
what I I thought it would be. I thought it would be like when, when the first uh, written <laughs> language was in history. Yeah. Come on, don't go so far. So I mean, this is too. Much. We don't need to shift. I mean, to deviate so much from our our subject, but many many. I mean, three four thousand BC, like the, okay. I mean the but uh, Ukraine hierog- had the hieroglyphic and and the, the ceramic language adapted Cyrillic language adapted it at the nineteenth century. Cyrillic language started. So like to exist uh, since the seventh uh, seventh, oh, no. How Na- many years ago? One ninth one? ninth century started the Cyrillic script, and it was it was invented by the Greeks in order to Christianize the Slavs. Mm-hmm. You know the Saint Cyrillian meth- Methodius. That's why it's called Cyrillic. It's under the, I mean after uh, Saint Cyrillus uh, and Methodius, who were the two Byzantine. Uh, Greek uh, missionaries that they were sent by the Byzantines to to Christianize the Slavs and they invented this uh, alphabet in order to write down the the Slav- Slavic uh, idioms spoken by the Slavs but anyway uh, if you don't know history all, all this seems to you like a puzzle without uh, understanding what's going on so let me start from the beginning and the beginning of the okay let's finish this with the alphabet so the fact that the Ukrainians, in the course of the 19th century, chose to write their language in, in the Cyrillic alphabet is an interesting moment and shows a kind of affiliation towards Russia. Because otherwise, they would have chosen the Latin alphabet. And when we, we say about Ukrainians, in that time, in the course of the 19th century, what is today Ukraine was like divided half of it and as you my guess is like the south and east part kind of were more it was a part of russian empire and the north west was a part of uh, part of austria in that time it was a part of anyway western countries for long long time but you will see that in in, in when i will explain history so Despite that fact, both Ukrainian parts, I mean, the ones that they were living in Austria and the ones that they were living under, under in Russian Empire, showed their de- a desire, an inclination towards the, the Cyrillic script. Even, okay, the ones that they live in, in Russia, it, it's obvious. I mean, the, And who chose wh- what alphabet? The intellectuals have? of the community, the intellectual, the intelligence of the community, sometimes the state, uh, but okay, the Eastern Ukrainians they were living under Russia when they chose the alphabet. So the inte- the intelligence of the Ukrainians living in Russia. Let's show them up. <laughs> this part was uh, this was a part of. I mean, for many centuries, Poland and the Lithuania, and, but in the nineteenth century, this part. Was a, this was a part of Austria, and this was a part of Russia, roughly. So the intelligentsia here, which was a part of Russia, was expected when they decided to write their 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 language, their idiom. It was obvious that they would choose which which alphabet. This really because they were living in Russia. 
but the interesting thing is that also they chose the, the Cyrillic alphabet here. They were living in Austria, the intellectuals here. And actually there was a conflict. I think some of them wanted the Latin alphabet because Austria and Poland and the, the, the countries in Lithuania, the countries that they were under the influence for centuries, those people here, they used which, which alphabet? Of course, they're Catholics. They use until today the, the Latin one. But despite that fact, a big part of the, of, of the intelligentsia of the Western Ukrainians, they decided to use the, the Cyrillic alphabet, which is an indication that shows that even, even them. them, they were like, but it's not surprising because they were Orthodox. So they, I mean, in that time, they wouldn't feel the Russians as something distinct and an enemy. They will, even them, they would look like with sympathy towards the Russian part of their identity, kind of. I, I like it. I like so much that we don't think about, oh, wh what is the, uh, Ukraine? Who, what is the, like, the nation? Who is who? And we just take it linguistically and we find some answers there. Because it's, because it's, it's more a genuine. Big, yeah, it's yeah, more genuine, I think. It's anyway. kind of, you take the facts, it's not the conspiracy theory. Yeah, the, yeah no, it's, it's, it's not something fabricated or it's the will of the people. But anyway, what matters now is the will of the people today anyway. And I know for sure the people of Ukraine now here, they, definitely they, they look towards the West and they... they don't want to, I mean, they stress their differences with their relative, Slavic relative Russian, and they look towards the West. This is undeniable. But it wasn't always like this. And that's how history goes anyway. Anyway, so, so that's why I said in the beginning, I, I don't want to be misunderstood because I respect what people believe today. And the history is not so important. The most important thing is that what people want today the, the desire of the people but, but you need to understand the truth and if you are a glorious nation like ukraine you shouldn't be afraid of whatever the history is because you believe in the glory of your nation anyway so so you think why it's, it's not relevant what happened in the past is relevant but the will of the people is most important so if somebody start like talking ah but so the this is what elon musk back to musk he said that we need to have a referendum from UN no, for the people. The, the referendum speak about the peoples here, which are anyway Eastern Ukrainians. Now I'm talking about the Western Ukrainians. But whatever I, if I was a biased historian and tried to say, no, but he, Ukrainians were always like close to Russia. Look, they chose in that time the Cyrillic alphabet. It doesn't matter so much. What matters is the will of the people now. And nobody can deny, I mean, from at least Western Ukrainians, that they look towards the West. I mean, this is clear. Whatever alphabet they chose, whatever, you know what I mean? But it's, a, it's you can't deny historically. But you don't need to go... So that's a, another argument. Should you go back to history and see the You should roots, go back to history to understand. Or to you understand. should just follow the will of the people now and that's it. First of all, the will of the people. And then to understand what's going on, so I cannot say to Ukrainians now, look, you're closer to Russian because you chose the Cyrillic alphabet. It's not my business. I mean, if they chose whatever reason to look towards the West, this is, this is what's, what matters. I mean, the will of the people. Anyway, 
Uh, anyway, let, let's let's go back to history now. So, if you want to understand what's going on, you start. Make it a bit bigger. Whenever you see, oh yeah, you start whenever you see this word Slavic. So, for example, now we are. When do we see first? Eh? Interesting. When do we see first in this map? I I, I checked this map and I, I mean, I, <laughs> you cannot trust one, whatever you found in the internet. But I checked before with my poor historical knowledge and I check it and according to me it's kind of accurate so so you go back like 12 a thousand years BC and you see Slavic when you see Slavic first time Proto-Slavic Balto-Slavic so you see now it's one family so Baltic language is like Lithuanian and Latvian so so if you go like 2,000 years before, you can't find any distinction. But anyway, these are guesses because we don't really know. I mean, if you don't have written records, you don't really know. So this okay. is nothing accurate. Accurate, when you talk about Slavic people, what means accurate history? It's like when you go to 400, it's a safe time to start talking about Slavic people. I told you before, Slavic people today are Ukrainians, Belarusians, Russians, Polish, Czechs, Slovaks, Bulgarians, Serbian, Croatian, etc. Back then it was just here. Interestingly enough, this is now a part of Ukraine. So if you want to be proud, you can't, I mean, if you want to say where the, all the Slavic people started, now is Ukraine. So you can't deny that. I mean, Ukrainian identity is, is Ukrainian history is, is deep, because deep. You say. I mean, Ukrainian. If you want to identify anybody of today's Slavs closer to the the core of Slavic identity, eh. the the first core of the Slavs was somewhere w where it's now Ukraine. So Ukrainians are like close to the roots anyway. But this is not important because people are moving anyway. This, is, this was just the fact that, interestingly enough, just interestingly enough, the Slavs started where is now Ukraine for some reason. It's not so relevant anyway. Do you understand what I'm talking yes, about? Yes. Kind of. Okay. So we start learning about the Slavs when they start expanding. So if we move like 50 years, you see them a bit not very much expanded, Double. but if you go 500, you see them more expanded. And they expand towards the west. So this is here now what is Poland, Polish people kind of, but you cannot, if you go to 500, you cannot talk about Polish and Russian and Bulgarians. They are one thing, you can't distinguish between them. And you see them go towards the west, Eventually, we know until when where they will reach because you have Slavic people here now. So they will move more in the south. You think they will reach south or they will stay? I'm, I'm asking you now to see if you understand. Mm. They will go south, and you think or to to Africa uh, uh, to Greece. Uh, to Greece, you have some Slavic yes. people in Greek, <laughs> Slavic speaking in Greek, but not that many. But here is Bulgaria, yeah, here yeah. is Serbia. So it will. So they will expand. Oh, that's very interesting. So you kind of know where they will expand. You kind of know because you know today what's going on. You because, have, yeah, yeah. Because you will eventually have the, 
Serbians and the Bulgarians and the Croatians and the Slovenians and, and, and the Slovaks and the, already you have the Poles here. <laughs> anyway, but you can't distinct um, among them. So you see a 500, let's go 550, kind of not very different, 600. Interesting. You see, they go towards now to become the Russians, isn't it? Because they go more towards the East. So these are the proto kind of Russians, proto. So Russia is here. Yeah, Russia. Mm, Russia start. No, Russia. Here is, Ra is Bella Russia and Russia and kind of start. I can't see the, the, the country. I mean, Ukraine is until here roughly. Bella Russia and Ra kind of Russia. But you see, these are like proto Russians, proto Poles and Slovaks and proto. Okay, Bulgarian. Okay, the year 600. And, and as if you notice, is more on the side of the Western Ukraine that is occupying yeah, you the would, Slavic. Okay, thing. because it doesn't go to the because Russia. we are biased. If you would ask somebody where the Slavs started, we are biased because which is the most, the biggest, and the most famous, and most not notable Russian nation now? Hey, I told it, a Slavic nation now. The Russians, bigger and more. I mean, when you say Slavs, first the word Russia come to you. So you would expect the origin of the of the Slavs to be somewhere here in, in Russia, isn't it? But it's not like I mean. Anyway, and and but these these are not very strong historical facts because the Slav Slavic people then they they had no historical records and very rarely other people with historical records mentioned them before the year four hundred. AD. So you can really talk about the, 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 the Slavic history after the year 500 because they start expanding towards where? Towards peoples that they had language and they left historical records about these invaders. Such an interesting thing. So when the Slavs invade you, then you talk about them and you write about them and you leave historical records about them. And this is how we know about so it. That's how, how we know. Before the year 400, 500, very rarely somebody would talk about them because they have they were not interested. Maybe somebody traveled through their lands and say a couple of words, but if the people themselves, they don't write, and if nobody else writes about them, you don't know so much. Anyway, so the year 600, should, you should know it as a Greek because it's, it's also interesting about our history. The Slavs started to invade the, the Eastern Roman Empire. Empire. You say, where is say Koine Greek? Is where Greek is speaking, you, you, which is roughly the, 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 the Byzantine Empire in that time. So we don't see it here now, but... Roughly where is this color of Greek is where is the Byzantine Empire. I don't like to use the word Byzantine because it wasn't Byzantine, it was Roman anyway. So anyway, people know that with this word, they were Romans anyway. So, so this is the Eastern Roman Byzantine Empire. And when they started invade them, they came together with the Avars, another, another uh, tribe it was not a slavic tribe it was maybe more turkic tribe but they we they came together and they start raiding byzantium and uh, so so we know about them a lot because the, the byzantines the romans 
liked very much to keep records, as you know. They write a lot about what's going on. So we know a lot about them after the year 600 because the Byzantines talk about these weird the invaders that they came from the north. They, they used to cross the Danube River and go to raid Byzantium with the Avars. So if we go to the year 650, you already see... Oh, they took a big part. So now they, 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 they went where they are now, roughly. They are here in Poland and Slovakia. And, okay, here is Germany. They are not now there. But you see them occupying the, the, the place where the, they are now, roughly. And in the south, it looks very much like where they are now, isn't it? I mean, Bulgarians and Serbians and, and even inside Greece. Anyway, so do you remember the Akathistosimnos? Yeah, yeah. So this Akathistosimnos, it talks about this event exactly. I don't remember when it was like the year 630 or something like that, when the Avars together with the Slav big companions. I mean, I think the Avars were more the leaders and the Slavs were more like the kind of soldiers. But the, it were Avars and Slavs reached until Constantinople, the capital of the Eastern Byzantine Roman Empire. And they reached until the, I mean, the walls of the town and they were like surrounding the town and, and the Byzantine, the, our ancestors, the, the, the Byzantines, they were inside the town praying to, to the mother of, of Jesus, Panagia, Holy Mary, to help them because of these this, uh, invaders. And at the end, they, they were victorious. They couldn't occupy the capital. And to thank uh, the mother of God for this help that they that gave them, they compose this Akathistosimnos, Akathist. It says it's Ibermachos Stradigodanikidiria. It names Panagia as an army general, Stradigos. Why army general? Because it was under her command, kind of spiritual command, that our army fought against the Avar and Slavs and, and win. So you see, even an, if when people keep records, you can even find them until today sung in the churches. So until today, we talk about the Slavs in our churches, in, which is very alive history, isn't it? So it was a commemoration of exactly this expansion. Here is Constantinople. Anyway, so, but you see the maps here talk about Slavs. So until now, we cannot separate between Slavs. They are just Slavs. So if you go another 50 years, you see now there is a division now. Okay, 750, you have East and West Slavs and South Slavs. So since the year 700, roughly, you still you start have indications that they already linguistically, they start to be distinct. Okay. So until today, we divide them like Eastern Slavs. Which are the Eastern Slavs? Ukrainians, Russians, and Belarusians today. And some other small names, I mean, I, I say on the big nations. And uh, Poles, Slovaks, and Czechs, and Bulgarians, Serbians, and Croatians, and Slovaks. 
and the Slovenes. Interesting. Anyway, so now you can talk about East Slavs and West Slavs, but still you don't see any division between the the constituent parts of them. I mean, they're just Eastern Slavs, okay? But the division is still linguistic because by this moment, okay, roughly by this moment, if you go a bit before, like by this moment, all Slavs are pagans, roughly, until the year 600, uh, until the year, no, until the year 800, the Slavs are roughly pagans. Because Saint, somehow I'm not wrong, uh, Saint Cyrillus and Methodius, they, they were, uh, I mean, I mean, the, the first attempts to Christianize the Slavs were like uh, ninth, ninth century, if I'm not wrong. Ninth century attempt, yeah. 830, 800. Anyway, so until this moment, 750, 800, all Slavs are pagan, which means they, they still have the old pagan Slavic religion. So the history of the Christianization of the Slavs, it's a kind of revival, I mean, it's a kind of uh, rival. It's a competition, let's say, between the Byzantines who wanted to make them their allies, to make them Orthodox. Okay, in that time it was not such a strong division between Orthodox and Catholics, but still you can talk about two churches. And let's call them Orthodox and Catholic. It's maybe, uh, it's maybe a kind of... Uh, uh, it's not... <laughs> okay. Let's call them Catholics and also not, not to make things more, more complicated. So it was kind of competition. The, the Byzantines wanted to make the Slavs uh, Orthodox and the Rome, the Catholics wanted to take them with their side to make them Catholics. And now you know the, the line where it is. I mean, the Poles are Catholics mm -hmm. until today. The, the Slovaks are Catholics, the Czechs are Catholics. The Ukrainians, the Belarusians, and the Russians are also so. So, it starts being becoming obvious. So, if you move more another kind of fifty years, this is the year when you start talking about the Christianizations. First, uh, the Byzantines send uh, missionaries, uh, famously enough, uh, uh, Cyrilian Methodius and others, to Christianize the Slavs. And, uh, okay, let's say 900, in, uh, already you have the West kind of succeeding more, make them Catholics, but the Christianization of this part is like the year 1000. So if you, if you reach the year 800, you have to talk also about politics. So it's not enough to talk about about language now, because in the year stop, <laughs> let's go back. So in the year eight hundred fifty, roughly, come on. Then now you have to start talking about politics because okay, you have the Eastern Slav, the Western Slavs, attempts to Christianize. Both of them? Mostly, not so much the Eastern Slavs, mostly the Western Slavs because they were far away by the West. The South Slavs, 
already by the Byzantines, not so much the Eastern Slavs, but we are more interested in the Eastern Slavs, isn't it? So now you, you have to talk about politics because roughly around this year, a bunch of uh, Vikings from, <laughs> from Scandinavia were following the Dnieper River. Man, I, I'm, we're not talking so much about Ukraine. It's not... Uh, is it okay talking about this? Is no, this is it? the history it's of It's a history, Ukraine. but I don't think we will finish if I start talking so much details. Anyway, uh, anyway, you can edit some parts out. No, <laughs> the, this is a podcast of learning. So of anything, learning anything, for you, but... Anything goes. Some Somebody clicked to see about, to learn about Ukraine. Yeah, so but he needs to understand this. Okay, they need to too. understand, I don't know. Anyway, so a bunch of, of Slavs a bunch of uh, sorry a bunch of uh, of uh, vikings germanic speaking people totally different than the slavs following the the Dnieper river for uh, commercial purpose they were reaching those where is the Dnieper river somewhere here anyway ah you can see it Dnieper river is very important for the history of ukraine if we reach that point I don't <laughs> if we talk so detail about the distant past I don't know if we reach it but anyway so these Slavs these uh, Vikings the Rurik Vikings or the Rus were following this river coming down for commercialism passing through the eastern Slavic lands they established a state somewhere 850 I don't remember when called the Kievan Rus because they, they, they founded a town called Kiev, which is now Kiev related to Ukrainian history now, so it, <laughs> it sounds more like Ukrainian history. So they established this, this town called Kiev. This, they established a dynasty which was not Slavic. They were like Germanic speaking, like talk, talking in language which is closer to like Swedish, I guess, or Norwegian. And um, And th- they s- they established the, the, their uh, authority upon the Slavic people here. So are we going to see it? No, you hear it's only the language. So so if you want to see this, you have to shift to another map. I'm not an expert. I'm sure I miss out important facts, but nobody knows I, everything. No, but I I, I hope that the, I mean I, I'm sure I made some mistakes and uh, some omissions and some important things I don't say, but. My 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 goal now is to 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 show to reveal the the big picture. So, I I hope the big picture is kind of no, for me this is quite kind of uh, shown up anyway. So this is another one of my favorite maps in YouTube. This is the history of Europe. Let's make it bigger. So now we're in in the year four hundred BC. It's not interesting, isn't it? So when do we have to start? You think? What do you want? Uh, 900. Why not again 500 to see what's ah, going on? Okay. Just to see if we were right. Then to verify what I said before. Because I'm not sure even myself. Anyway, so this is every year. The other one is like every 50 years. Can I shift it like this? Ah, I can. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So this is the year 500 where we start. So here is the land of, I mean, here is Ukraine. Here, here. In Western Ukraine was the, the, the origin of the Slavs as we saw. So you see nothing here political. You see Slavs, but there's nothing political here. 
So this is the land of the uncivilized uh, word I hate, but it's the land of people that they oh, have... Because they didn't have written stuff. This is more civilized for me anyway. <laughs> I respect more people without written stuff than people with... You know that I don't like what happens after the agricultural revolution, but this is another thing. <laughs> And the invention of script. Anyway, it's another another thing. <laughs> uh, it's a peculi- peculiarity of mine. So, so, but they are called, so-called, I mean, where you see colors in this map is the civilized so-called world. And here is the uncivilized, which is more civilized, but anyway. So, but you see nothing here. No, no political configuration mm-hmm. because we don't really know. I mean, people were like happy without any government. <laughs> okay, I'm talking political now. Anyway, uh, I mean, they had some tribal organization, I'm sure, but it was much more natural. Anyway, so if you, let's fast forward until we see any color, isn't it? We, now we're moving until we see colors here, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the Byzantine, you see, the like Western f- countries, they, the Western Roman Empire is And not... this is not language. This is just where... This is politi- political. Political maps. But if you see no colors, means no written language. I mean, because written language and state, an organized uh, state goes together anyway. So people here are more like uh, pagans. Interesting. They have more interesting religions, more pagan religions. They have more like natural life. <laughs> I stress again, I respect them more. <laughs> so let's... So when we see colors here, then we're interested. Oops. Okay, first okay, color th- appears. Th- this is the Avars. We, we talked about the Avars before, isn't it? This yeah. is the year 500... It's already after 500. So this is the time when the Avars came to the land of the Slavs. It's interesting too. So if you go before five, before 550, let's say, you don't see the Avars people because the Avar people, they were like Turkic people, more, more related to the... We're not so sure. We don't really know what language the Avars were talking. But we guess, I mean, more... More, most odds are towards that they were like Turkic speaking. Turkic people are, are always, I mean, the history of Europe and the history especially of Middle East and Anatolia is the history of an Eastern Europe. is the history of Turkic people coming from the East, from Mongolia. And this is the, I mean, the origin of the Turks moving towards the West. This is for many, 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 many years this happened. Turkic people moving East was to the west. So one of them were the Avars. So, so, but they were nomadic people. So even if you see like when, the, I will stop it when they will appear. So even if you see color here, this is not exactly a settled state with uh, towns, some towns of course, but this was like a Turkic uh, nomad state. So these people were not settled, they were nomads. They had tents, they had horses, they were moving around. So this is a kind of political affiliation. It is a kind of state. This is a Turkic fashion of the nomads, but it's not geographical. So 
the nomad people, they have a kind of state, but it's not, it's not uh, territorial. They have loyalties to their chief, the chief of the chiefs, the, the Kegans as they used to call them. But this is not, uh, it's a peculiar kind of state. It's not a state based on geography. It's a state based on loyalty and wherever you are, you, because you are, you are a nomad, Nomads means, you know what means nomads, they're moving yeah, yeah, around, yeah. they're not settled, they're moving with their tents. So you have a loyalty towards your leaders, but you move anywhere, everywhere. So it's like, it's like a, a moving kind of country. So this is not exactly the borders of a state. It's, the, it's like the places where these nomads were moving, the Avars. But the Avars came to the, the country of the Slavs and they, they, they formed an alliance, a kind of. That's why you have them invading the Byzantines together. So they met very recently. I mean, they were not friends for many, many centuries ago. They became like allies some years before starting raiding the, Bi the Byzantine Roman Empire. So if you, let's fast forward, 600. You see nothing political here, the Avars. You see the Avars, the Slavs, you see, so the Slavic people are, are here, but they, you still don't see any colors among them. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the previous map, actually, yeah. because they went down in the previous. Yeah, they went down, but with no color. So uh, these years, like the year 700, they, they are entering even as uh, far as Peloponnese, but because so they are a part of the, this is, this is Byzantine, Byzantium now, but they enter so much, it was a cataclysmic. I mean, there were many, many numerous. I mean, the, the sources talking about, about like uh, huge number of people just crossing the Dunab River and entering the, crossing the border. So this situation here is like where they are and it's like no state. I mean, they're, they're like, uh, they rule. Mm -hmm. Officially, this is Byzantium, but they don't. But they, they, there's no official Byzantine authority here. They do whatever they want. W w you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, so, but here is this is the land we're interested. Still, you don't see any state. So, not talking about the, the South Slavs so much now because it's supposed to be not our interest. So, if you move, so this is the year five hundred. You see. Already there is a, a country called Bulgaria here. So these South Slavs with, I mean, okay, there's another people that called the Bulgars, they are Turkic people, they came from the East again, like the others. They form a state here called Bulgaria. <laughs> no, it's another story anyway, which is, it be, became Slavic, but anyway. But you see now the, the South Slavs start to be more organized. You don't see white anymore. You see colors here for some reason. And uh, so, up here is the Rus. So after the year, up. <laughs> so after hey. the year eight hundred, I don't remember eight hundred eighty, whatever. I don't want to go back. Appears this state I told you. So it was the Slavic people and the Scandinavians coming down, following this river. They established this state. The Rus, capital of the Rus is uh, is uh, Kiev. So this state, 
is supposed to be the ancestor state where the modern Ukrainian and Belarusian and Russian nations were formed. Okay, many historians identify the Rus with the Russians, and the word is kind of similar, but I think it's wrong. I, I mean, <laughs> it's not politically correct at least. Okay, the biggest nation of today that came out this, this uh, state, this political formation, is the Russians, obviously. But some of them call themselves Ukrainian, some of them call Belarusian, so you shouldn't call them Rus, like the ancestors of Russians, and that the Rus are the Russians, and the Rus are, it's a, the, it's a Russian state. So let's call it the Eastern Slavic, the state of the Eastern Slavs, which is, I think, is more neutral term for both of them, for, for all of them, like Belarusians, Ukrainians, and Russians. So this is the Rus now, and uh, this is the state having capital as Kiev. Okay. So Kiev is here now. No, no, Kiev is inside the Rus. I mean, Kiev. Some, yeah. I don't hear somewhere here. So, so you see, it expanded now the state, and here are the poles. But you don't see any state. The Poles are still not having a state, the, but the Slovaks have. So, so the Western Slavs they're starting now to develop also states. Okay, so if uh, now okay now you have the first Poland. Now now it's more obvious that you have the division roughly. Now these are the Eastern Slavs and these are the Western Slavs, Polish, oh. uh, Slovaks, and so so. Around this year, you have the Christianization of the Poles. And who Christianized the Poles? What do you think? Uh, Constantinople or Rome? Rome. Rome. Because, you know, why, why you said Rome? Uh, why the Poles were Christ Christianized by Rome and not by Constantinople? Because it was... Today they are Catholics or they are Orthodox? The Poles are Catholics. Ah, yeah, 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 you're right. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So roughly this year, when Poland appeared, I don't remember when, 960 roughly as a state. It's, it's like a puzzle that you can confirm is true because what you see Because you, what now, you see today, it makes sense that the Poles were Christianized by, by, by Rome because they're Catholics and not yet, but soon you will see that they will be Christianized by who the Russians and the Ukrainians the Byzantine. by the Constantinople one, so so. So let's go. I mean, the Christianization of of Poland is already nine nine hundred sixty something. The Christianization of Russians, officially, is like uh, nine hundred eighty nine. I think. But anyway, until the year let's say thousand to make it more round, you have already. They are, more affiliated with this kind of Christianity and they Hungarians and Polish uh, Hungarians are, no, are not uh, are not Slavic uh, anyway they they also newcomers in the region they came to through the east but we shouldn't I mean it's too much to talk about everybody so now you roughly see the 
division in the north, Western Slavs and Eastern Slavs, but still you have the Rus. Okay. And you have here Poland. And this is still one thing. You can't talk about Ukrainians and Belarusians and Russians. Still you, this is the Eastern Slavs. And if you go forward, fast forward, fast forward. Okay, you see some divisions. You have two kind of uh, states. But still they are the Eastern Slavs. These are still the descendants of this Rus, the Kievan Rus. And if you go, what I know, okay, if forward, now it looks more clear. Okay, okay, let's stop here now. <laughs> let's stop to this, like this. Oh no, leave it, leave it. Uh, okay, what's happened now, roughly now? Mongol Empire. Okay, the Mongols invade. This is a very key part in, in the history of the Eastern Slavs. Because the Mongols invade them. The Mongols came from the East. Who, who are the Mongols? It's the same story like I told before, the same story. Like people from the um, nomadic people from the East moving towards the West. Uh, okay. Shall we go to the linguistic thing to see what's going on? Yeah. I mean, this is a part of Ukraine. This is Western Ukraine, this is Eastern Ukraine. So you already see in, in, in Southeastern Ukraine, there are no Slavic people. They are like this Kipchak. These Kipchak are like Turkic speaking. They are the same kind of people that they came from. Mongols. The, no. Turkic people. Mongols are related to the Turkic people, but they are linguistically a big different, but they are, they are relatives anyway. Uh, this Kupshag, the Kumans, as they're more known, they are Turkic people. So this is Ukraine, but no, no Slavic people living here now anyway. But still, okay, let's, you have these Eastern Slavs that they are wrongly called Russian here. You, you know, what's, what's interesting, when you say that, uh, <coughs> it, it reminds me a bit, this, you know, this biological thing. When they say, like, two species, actually languages, languages are very similar. The evolution of languages is similar with the evolution of, of, of the species, of the biological species. And actually, Darwin himself mentioned it. When Darwin discovered the evolution, the, the theory of evolution, said that the evolution of 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 the species of, of, of the animals and I mean the biological organisms, it's similar with the evolution of languages. And this is the beginning of this what we call cultural evolution. So when we talk about human origin, we wrongly say that humans are the descendants of, of apes and the chimps are our ancestors, which is not true. And here is a similar mistake. Because languages, like species, contemporary species, like contemporary languages, they have common ancestors. They are cousins. So you can't say, for example, Ukrainian, it's a form of Russian. It's anachronistic. It's retrospective. Interesting. It's like you say, you say 
today humans are a kind of uh, chimps. No, humans and chimps, they have a common ancestor, which maybe is more close to the chimp, but it can be more close to human. We don't know. So, so it's interesting, anyway, it's interesting to see that even classification of language is similar. You have families of languages, you have subfamilies, like, like, like in biology. You have order, suborder, and uh, species, and, and, and families of species. So, so it's interesting. And it's also interesting if you want to divide the unit, the unit of... Uh, do I go very far now? No, no. Anyway, okay. The unit of the unit of uh, of lang of, of of biology is the species. The rest is more like classification for. Uh, it's more artificial. But but the so basically, you're saying that we cannot call uh, Ukraine the same thing with uh, it's different. You things. shouldn't say that Ukraine is a kind of Russian. You can say that Russian and Ukraine, they have a common ancestor. That's why we yeah, shouldn't yeah. call it Russian. It, it's not it a, bit UK, a bit Russian. It's like different thing. Even if they have a lot of similarities, it's a different you thing. You can't say that the mother is Russian and the child is Ukrainian. Outside the same family came two children. Today is Russian and today is Ukrainian and today is Belarusian. Interesting. So, so it's like the common ancestor thing. So the unit of, of the unit of, of biology and evolution is the species everything else family order and all these kind of uh, of, of uh, divisions of classification they, they are constructs but the species is a real thing because what defines the species it, it's it's natural you are the same species if you can make children with another member of the species if you cannot have a reproduction, then you are not the same species. So biology puts a limit. But what's the translation in the wait, wait, wait. Ukraine? Wait, 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 Russia wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I told you you can edit this out, but I, I care about your, your, your uh, education and your, your uh, inte intellectual growth. So I, I found this opportunity to mention it. So if the unit is the species, the natural unit, in the case of language, is when the when the when the, the genes of of, of a member of, a, of an organism can mutual understand each other, they can communicate. They can produce a new a new a, a new member of this species. When, when there is communication, when there is no communication, if for example uh, a, a human make love with a dog. There's no communication. They, the genes cannot talk to each other. It, it reminds language a little bit. So they cannot produce a, a new member. It's a kind of similar with languages. So the unit of the language is like the family. When, when you have intelligibility, then you have one species. So, so in, in, in the picture I, I showed you today, with the families of language, you see in Europe three big families. Between them there is intelligibility. It's like there are three species. And the rest are like subspecies. 
So you have the Slavic language and you have subspecies. Among subspecies in biology, you have you have communication because subspecies can have children. A dog with a wolf can make children, uh, or even even a horse with a, with with a donkey. Or so linguistics and evolutionary biology they have many many common things anyway i, I went a bit far i don't know if anybody understood my thoughts no i did but but darwin himself pointed out languages are kind of similar with my theory and so if a, if a language can communicate with the other language you can call it a species it's one species it's yeah. a group so slavic languages so, so what does that has to do no with, no I, I, I exactly with what we're no, no doing. i wanted to mention that this is not right it's not right to say that the ancestors of humans are are ah, chimps so because com- they call their they call them russian, russian is similar belarusians and is ukrainian and russian it's a similar mistake Okay. Or if you say the ancestors of the whale, it's the it's the hypopotamus, because it's the closest relative today. You can't say they were hypopotamus and they became whales. Is they are cousins? The common ancestor is something that looks yeah, not, yeah. not like hypopotamus, not like whale. The same is like our common ancestor. So 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 that kind of supports that they're different thing in a way. Yes, that Ukrainian is is not a But child cousins. Of, it's a cousin of Russia. Ukrainian, Belarusian, that they should be called cousin. That's why this this name shouldn't be used. Wow, cool. Anyway, but the commonly people call the language of the Rus Russian. Anyway, anyway, but so so we move. Let's go to poli- political map now. The Mongols invade the land of Rus. So now all the Rus... Mongols are huge. There were many, many, and they were... I mean, Genghis Khan, you know? Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan. No. I mean, he's the, the greatest warrior of history, I mean. The warrior of history. Yeah, he was um, the, the, the leader of this group. And he okay. was like fire. I mean, they were like nomads very capable of, of using the bow and arrow on the living on the horses Genghis Khan yeah 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 oh. they were living on the horses you nothing could stop them that's why w- w- when we look the I mean oh, come on when we if you see the history now Im- immediately we see them look how fast they're coming right if you go like you have the Rus very nice settled country and then you see look how they're coming I mean in history immediately I mean they <laughs> crazy because and, it, and this is what Elon Musk was saying if you have technological advancement over the other people you have horses horse and, and bow and arrow and the other people don't have horses then a, and the ability to use bow and arrow while on the horse they were incredible I mean all these nomad people from the steppe of the east coming towards the wow. west wow they, they had the technology of using the bow and arrow while moving they were masters and This was one of that, of the of their uh, secrets. Anyway, so so now the land of Rus is, is no, un- it's not anyway. This is incredible. Anyway, <laughs> no, the land of Rus now is under the Mongols, and the Mongols were together with another tribe. The Mongols are Mongol speaking, let's say, and but their army was comprised mostly by Turkic speaking people, what we call Tatars. So until this moment, Mongols and Tatars is like one thing. 
like the Mongols were like the rulers Beautiful. and the Tatars were like the people more. The, the Tatars speaking a Turkic language. Until today, Tatars speak Tur- Turkic language. I mean, language which is intellig- intelligible with Turkish, with Uzbek, with Kazakh. And anyway, so they are occupied and they are under the rule of a, a foreign empire, all of them. So you still cannot talk about distinct Ukrainians and Belarusians and Russians. They are all Rus, Eastern Slavs under the the dom- dominion of, of, of the of the Mongols and the Tatars. So th- it's roughly the same picture if, if you can see roughly okay you see some after the year 1300 these Tatar and Mongols they started to weaken so so they lasted how many years? A hundred? So you see, there's different color. These Slavs here, Kiev, and so you see different formations in the same color. So under the, under the, under the Mongols, they were not exactly under the Mongols and that's it. They had already some formation. They were like vassals. They were like inside the Mongol Empire, but you see now some uh, states here, part of the Mongol Empire, but Slavic people that they were like in the kind of autonomous, but all of them obeyed to the Mongols. And here, this is where it's purely Mongol. So these are the nomadic Mongol and Tatar people. And here are the Slavic people, the, the Eastern Slavs, under the Mongols. Ob- so you can see already the difference. So, okay, after this year, you see a difference in, in the name. You, you see the name Golden Horde. So already the, you don't talk about the Mongol Empire. You talk about this part of the Mongol, which was more directly them, and it's called Golden Horde. It's, it's another name. You will see this name long in this history. And, and then you have this semi-autonomous Slavic states that they obey to to the they pay tribute and, and, and taxes to the to the Mongols. Okay. And this is the slowly slowly this is the the, the, the picture. I mean Ukraine is, don't forget Ukraine is here. So the whole of Ukraine is this picture. Southern Ukraine directly Mongols and Tatars, northern Ukraine Slavic people who are obeying to the Tatars. And and now, if you're moving in time, slowly, slowly, you see some of them, of the Slavs, they don't have this color anymore. So they are like freeing themselves from the Mongols. Okay, but until now, this is, don't forget, this is Ukraine here now. So the same thing, roughly the same thing. Ukraine is the same. You see, already we see a state here, Lithuania, starting becoming bigger. If you go back, you see Lithuania, which is a small country up here, is start expanding somehow. is inter- is important for our history, now, our story. So Lithuania is expanding. So you see, now it reaches 
kind of the border of, you see Kiev now, this is the principality of Kiev. You see, it reaches the border roughly here is the border of Ukraine. So already now middle of the 14th century and is Lithuania is already expanded. There was a historical uh, a battle, I don't know so well, between the, the, the Mongols and the Blue Water battle, something like that. Anyway, Lithuania defeated the, the Mongols and they expanded in the land of the Western Slavs, of the Eastern Slavs. So this is already a part of Kiev and stuff. It's a part of, this is part of, I mean, Ukraine is roughly like this. And a part of Ukraine is Poland. So if you go back, you see, after the middle of the 14th century, something changed. It's not just Eastern Slavs in the land of Ukraine, just Eastern Slavs and Turkic people in the south. Eastern Slavs obeyed, obeying to the Mongols and, and Turkic people in the south obeying to the Mongols. This is what we call Tatars. But you see Poland and Lithuania. So after the middle of the hey, after the middle of, of the 14th century, you see in the lands of today Ukraine, a part is Poland, Western Slavic, Catholic country, and Lithuania. Lithuania, interestingly enough, Lithuanians are, is the last um, ethnic group of Europe becoming Christian. So this was roughly the time they became Christians. Until the middle of the 14th century, weirdly enough, they resisted Christianization and they still, roughly in this moment, I mean, at this moment, I guess, I forgot when is the Christianization of Lithuania, but roughly in the middle of the 14th century, until this moment, they have a settled civilization, but it's not Christian, it's pagan. So they, they persisted the Christianization until this moment. When they roughly when they started this uh, southwards expansion, roughly this time, I don't remember <laughs> when, but roughly this middle of the 14th century time, they became Christians themselves. What kind of Christians? Eastern or Western, you think? Today, Lithuanians are? Uh, if you don't uh, know. What, Orthodox. <laughs> they are not Orthodox. No? No, they're Catholics until today. So Lithuanians, when they became Christianized. From Roman Empire. They, the, the Catholics, okay. After the 11th century, you can clearly call them Orthodox and Catholics. Okay. It's no problem because the, the churches divide in the 11th century. So they were Christianized roughly in this moment when they started their expansion. They, they already had an organized, like Europeanish kind of state, but without Christianity, kind of peculiar. So these are the last uh, pagans. So they started their expansion. The Pol so now you see the history of Ukraine started looking differently. After the middle of the century, you see Lithuania and Poland expanded. And now, now you see, this, this is Ukraine. Now, now, here is Ukraine. So, so you see Poland and Lithuania are already in the land of, of today's Ukraine. And this, this is a very crucial part of the history. You have... You, you, after the middle Why of, very after the middle of the f of the thir 13th century already you can see that i told you there is this part not associated with the west this part starting to have association uh, with the west so this is kind of the first time that we so see so this is the beginning 
this is the time you can say that there's a division among the Eastern Slavs. You can't oh. talk before the middle of the 14th century, you cannot really talk about separate Russians, Belarusians, and Ukrainians. This is the beginning of the division, and it's political. And the political division will also bring linguistic division, and the linguistic division, together with the political, will bring also cultural division. So now you can ha- this division started, roughly. Before the middle of the 14th century, the Eastern Slavs are Eastern Slavs. So I hope I don't offend anybody who, I'm, and I'm, I'm probably wrong, but this is the history I know. So if any Ukrainian believed that they were like distinct from Russians before the middle of the 14th century, it's probably my mistake. Anyway, this is what I know about history. Anyway, so, so basically, until the 14th century, century, there is no you Ukraine. You can't really talk Ukraine. about Ukraine. No, no. Don't put them in different categories. There's no Ukrainians, not Russians, not Belarusians. They are all. I, okay. I mean, don't forget that they are cousins. The Russians are not are not the parents, and, and Belarusians and Ukrainians are the children. They, they, they are equal. I mean, they, they, it's like the species, I tell you. They yeah, have yeah. a common ancestor. And this common ancestor, you can call it the Rus, or you can call it the Eastern Slavs, but it's not historically true to say Russians are the ancestors and descendants are the Ukrainians. I mean, that's how I see it. Maybe I offend the Russians now, or maybe I offend the Ukrainians. I don't know. So, so at least I, if my answers are wrong, at least I think I put the right questions. So, so <laughs> at least somebody have to wonder, this guy is right or wrong. So I may be wrong because I, I'm not a historian. I just tried to explain you. I mean, okay, I, I, I knew these things and I always explain you what Elon Musk said. I mean, many, many years now. I, I mean, when, when Fidias found out that he understood, he don't understand something that Elon Musk said, he's in panic. <laughs> so he always... <laughs> I mean, I, I receive an email, teacher, help me. This word that Elon said, I don't understand. Please help me. <laughs> so he asked me again. I mean, usually he asks me about things I'm more familiar, like, like, like physics and the information theory. <laughs> what do you mean? You are, anyway, it, I, it doesn't get more familiar than this. <laughs> no, no, of course, physics is, is more familiar. Okay, I know the history of this place because I was dealing with Moldova. In the southern of Moldova, I was very much into. I was living there. I was involved with the history of the people living in the south of Moldova, and it's because it's kind of similar region. That's why I know. And I a bit studied, a little bit remembered what I knew when you asked me about this alert. Alert! Dylan said something that I don't understand. It. But so. still, I, I declare again, I might be wrong. But I think I, I put this the right questions. So here, anyway, and 14th century. We have Lithuania and Poland expanding Poland, in and the land. These have the what language? The these are Catholics. These are Catholics yeah. now. Lithuanians, if you remember the, the the picture I saw you, they speak a Baltic language, which is very very different than Slavic. It's kind of related, not so different than the other European language, but it's still different species. That's why I told you. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a look, well, you can. So these are the Slavic languages. 
these are the Baltic languages and Lithuanian is here. So this is already a different species. You don't have communication with the genes. I like this. <laughs> the genes of this <laughs> species and the genes of this species cannot have Se a uh, child, cannot child. make sex, cannot communicate. They can <coughs> make sex, but they cannot make a child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they can try to communicate, but the Baltic speaker and the Slavic speaker can talk to each other and they can look to each other like this and don't understand. They can understand each other somehow. Depends how close they are. They can understand somehow. Depends how close they can understand. But among the species, you go, can't have... Go back so, to... So the poles are here. So the poles are here, actually. So they understand them. They're, they are relatives. They are, they are fellow Slavs. Lithuanians are not. But both of them, Poles and Lithuanians, are both Catholics and both West. And this is the, the important thing now. So, so here it starts kind of be they are obviously different. They, yeah, they have a political difference. Political some, of, some of these and some of uh, uh, religious difference. Actually not because Although the Ukrainian, I mean, I mean the, the Western part of the Eastern Slavs were living for centuries under Catholic rule, Lithuanian and Polish, and after, as you will see, Austrian too, they remain Orthodox. So they remain Orthodox, but they were under strong influence, linguistic, especially from the Poles, not from the Lithuanians, obviously, because they cannot reproduce. I like this very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, now I realize that it's so it's obvious this this biology and, and linguistic thing. Anyway, so Lithuanians cannot really influence them linguistically, but Poles can. So Ukrainian language, evo being an Eastern Slavic language, had been evolved under the influence of Polish or Lithuanian. What do you think? Lithuanian cannot be Polish. Polish. So so. <laughs> Even if some of them were living under Lithuanians, some of them living under Poles, you will see it will change all the time. And some of them under Austrians. Austrians speak a Germanic language, Lithuanians speak a Baltic language, but Poles speak a Slavic language. They could influence them mm -hmm. linguistically. But nobody could persuade them to become Catholics. Actually, a part of them became a kind of Catholics when they were living under the Austrians and these Western countries, these Western powers, is a kind of, <laughs> Jesus, too many details. It's a kind of orthodoxy. It's called Greek uh, Catholicism or Union Church. <laughs> and then he's saying that I'm not very familiar with this. I was living there. I knew, <laughs> I knew I'd been to their church. I mean, I know them. I mean, what? I was living this, that, that part. It's of very the... important for you to get a perspective to live there and to understand and, and to smell to everything. To smell and you, to feel. You, and... you cannot like just study Ukraine and like just. Uh... How can you forget if you are an Orthodox and you go to a church that looks like Orthodox? Everything. I mean, the priests have beard. The icons are like Byzantine, they sing like Byzantine, but when the time comes, they commemorate, no patriarch, they commemorate the Pope of Rome. It's shocking. I mean, how can an, an Orthodox-looking church, I mean, everything is like Byzantine, everything, icons and the iconography and the priest with beard and everything is like, not like Catholic priest, but they commemorate the Pope. 
And this is the Greek Catholics. I mean, some of the, I mean, okay, this is another story. It's, inter- it's very important for the history of Ukraine. Very, very important. Okay, but we could omit it to be more, <laughs> to be more, more general. But anyway, a part of them remain Orthodox, but this was a kind of policy of, of, the, of the Catholic Church. They would accept churches, especially when they were under, under Catholic uh, rule, to remain exactly as they are, to keep their, all their uh, typical, all their, um, how you say this in English, all their rituals and their um, cultural stuff of the religion intact, even they cross themselves in the right way or wrong way. I mean, starting from the, like us and not like Catholics from east side to west, to, to, from <laughs> left side to right or right to east, they, they, they would accept them even, even in the symbol of, of faith to mention the filioque. Anyway, okay, I'm going too far. Anyway, to become, to be exactly like Orthodox, but just to declare that they are part of the Catholic Church and they call Greek Catholics. And until cool. now, a big portion of Ukraine are Greek Catholics. And it's because they were, of course, where do you expect them to be? In the Eastern part or the Western part? Western. Western part. part. Until now, a big, maybe like up to 10% of the country are Greek Catholics. Shit, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. And you have them also in Romania and you have them also in Hungary. And Romania also is, is, very, is very many. Okay. And you still have some of them in the Arab lands too. I mean, but okay, let's, too much. Let's let's move on with the. Uh, I forgot. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so, this is the breakthrough in the history that you start having Eastern Slavs, Rus Slavs living under Western powers, and Polish being a Slavic too, influencing linguistically. So, if you move it like this, you see. It's getting it's getting strong. I mean, Lithuania expanded more. This is. Clearly. This is exactly the, the, the devotion that uh, has on the elections that you sh- show. Not exactly. Mean, it's kind of. It's kind of starting looking like like that. Yeah, but it's early to mention it like this. But the interesting thing is that, okay, here you have Poland, Lithuania. Here you have the Western Ukraine, Lithuania expanded now. But here, you don't have Slavic people. Here you have. Tatars and Mongo, Golden Horde is Tatar. Okay, there must be some Slavic people living under the direct rule of the Tatars and Mongols here, but officially you don't see them in the records. So the part of Ukraine that is supposed to be more today, more close to Russia-ish kind of identity, during for many many centuries you will see that it was a part of not a russian kind of state but a turkic mongol state with some slavs living here and this is my beloved part of (laughs) i can't wait to mention it because this is my beloved part of of ukrainian history i'm in love with this part of ukrainian history i mean there were some people anyway Slavic people, they call Cossacks. I mean, it's too early to call to talk about the Cossacks. It's one of my favorite states in history because people, after it will be more obvious, these lands here are actually okay. It's called it's called the color of golden horde, which is is a Mongol Tatar thing. But these places here, 
in history, you, they, this area here, roughly, this Podolia and, and the eastern part, I forgot how it's called. Mm -hmm. in, in history, they are, they are known as, as the wild fields. And here, you actually don't really have a rule. So people here were fleeing from, especially from Orthodox people that they didn't really like to have Catholic rulers, lords, but also some people from Rus, I guess, that, that, that they didn't want to have, I mean, social oppression. Okay, you have Catholics, but anyway, it's a state, so oppressed people. I mean, medieval states, medieval state too. So people that they feel they wanted to be free, they wanted to be self-governed. That's why <laughs> I like them <laughs> for political reasons. They start slowly, slowly living here in this part of southern Ukraine, not very much close to the coast, but a bit further around this lower part of the of the Dnieper River. And here is like what started to be the Cossacks. So you already have people living here, Slavic people, but you don't see them in history. And these are the people, I mean, this wonderful, uh, in very interesting kind of formation that they were autonomous, that they want to live under nobody, and they form like semi-autonomous, independent kind of uh, societies, and this is the beginning of the Cossacks. Anyway, so it's misleading to say there are no Slavs here in the places where you see a Turkic Mongol rule. But anyway, so, but you're right, the division, for whatever reason, is still start to be like, kind of look like something. Okay, so if you, you see, it's kind of similar. Okay, now they call it Lithuania and it got a color. I don't know, I mean, the fashion of this map, I don't know when they give color to a state. I mean, Novgorod is like, without color even, I don't understand these people. Why? Okay, Lithuania, they get color when they become a real organized kind of Western kind of country. So you see, Poland, Lithuania, Okay, the, the Ukrainian lands divided, Turkic rule, I mean, Golden Horde, Tatar rule, and the uh, Catholic rule, Polish and Lithuania. And this go on and goes on and on. You see, the same thing, Lithuania, it, after the 1400, Lithuania now is almost all of Ukraine. After the beginning of the 15th century, this is, all of Ukraine is under Lithuanian and Polish rule. Only this part in the south remain under this uh, Mongol. Where, where is Daniest and Lukansk? Somewhere here. I guess Mariupol must be here. Kind, okay. of, kind of here. Anyway, uh, Crimea is I mean, famously under the Tatars. It, it will remain until this Elon's 1783 un under the Tatars anyway, as you will see afterwards. So it's already start becoming obvious. Let's move. Are we in a hurry or is it okay? No, no, we're good. My poor people who don't in are not interested in this. <laughs> so we are still this picture for like one, I mean, for a century almost, we have this picture. Western part, different than Eastern part. I mean, and, and now it's almost all Ukraine for more than 
half a century, some parts more than a century under a known rule. Rule. Yeah. Now, but Lithuania is like completely different. It's not even. It's not uh, Catholic. Is it Catholic? This is Catholic. Yeah. Catholic. So you you have yeah, Orthodox. But linguistically, is completely different. different but Polish is not. Polish influence them. But you have Orthodox people now here speaking an Eastern Slavic language, but they are under the rule of Catholics. Mm-hmm. But living in a different state, so already you can see a proto division. So here you have the Belarusians, not to forget them, and here you have the Ukrainians. No, now, no, then it's history. And here you have like Russians now, roughly, Russia. Anyway, so so this is the picture. So you see the picture go, going on and on and on. Now you, we reach the end of the 15th century. Moscovy. So... If you see in the south, okay, Moscovy. So uh, after you see on this map the name Moscovy, this Moscovy is un- still under the Tatars now here. See, them? that's why this this color under the Mongol Tatar, Mongol, whatever you call them. But this is a kind of the ancestor of the today's Russians. So the today. Russia is this state. I mean, it's the continuation of this state. Interesting. So, you see them change the color, becoming now free from the Mongols. And you see here a different formation, the Crimean Hanate. This will stay until Elon's 1783. This state here. The Tatar state of the southern part so this is the beginning of Russia of today. These are the kind of Western part of the Eastern Slavs, Belarusians and kind of ancestors of the Ukrainians. Anyway, so if you, okay, uh, until the year f- 1500, you see roughly this picture, but Moscow state, this ancestor of Russians are moving now to the east. So already they have a part of Ukraine. So these people here, these Eastern Slavs, from now on, they will live under Russian rule, proto-Russian kind of Moscow rule, people here. So you already see a division in the country like Western Ukraine, Eastern Ukraine, a part of it living under Russians, which is closer to what's happening now. They are more kind of feeling more close to Russia. But who lives here is like under under a Tatar rule, kind of Crimean Hanate. But already you see that it started, Lithuania started becoming smaller and more a, a part of Ukraine after living, living for a century or half, one and a half century, start becoming part of, of uh, Moscow. Moscow, this ancestor of the of the today's Russian state. Uh, shall we take a look in the linguistic thing? This Russian is what's supposed to be the, the Eastern Slavs having the similar. So, so, you see all these changes here. I mean. We are now up 
approaching this this uh, okay if if you if you say that the first when was it, remember when was the really first time that the eastern slavs were, were divided when the lithuanian started and the polish started to to in to invade their land so it's middle of the 14th century okay. so now oh, yeah, 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 now yeah, is right. the time that here you start having poland here polish and lithuanian but still the language is should be like eastern eastern slav under this false whatever name russian okay 1400 the the, the lithuanian is becoming is taking more 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 uh, territory but still no lithuanian language yeah, because i mean people are still speaking an eastern slavic language so after the year 1450 something interesting here appears a new word so these guys who make this map they consider that after the year 1500 the eastern slavic languages are divided uh, they are divided between russian according to them and ruthenian so it's not very simple huh there is a lot of <laughs> yeah but these are names so ruthenian when we say ruthenian means the kind of ancestor language to where is belarusians and where is ukrainian you think belarusians are here or here russian or ruthenian uh What do you mean? Anyway, Belarusia is here roughly. So when we say Ruthenian, we mean the proto Ukrainian and Belarusian. It's the common ancestors of Belarusian. So okay. because of the political division and the influence of Polish language and the different political situation already from 1500s you can talk about two distinct languages after one and a half century living under a different rule and under the influence of polish you already can talk about different two different linguistic groups the the ruthenian which is proto ukrainian and belarusian still not distinct and russian let's say so if you see this where is this picture i showed you before where is the picture of the languages where it is yes here so if you if you see this look ukrainian belarusian so close to each other isn't it yeah this is what until the, after the 1500 this 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 is you can't distinguish between them in the year 1500 because they're so close to each other but you already can't distinguish them the ruthenian so called thing from from russia so the division will come later because mm-hmm. the closest the language is to another language today linguistically historically it used to be one thing uh, closer to time so you would expect them to divide earlier than i mean russian from ukrainian to divide earlier than 
Belarusian from Ukraine because you see the distance here. Yes. It's obvious, isn't it? So you have the. No, I didn't even know that I know all this. <laughs> anyway, so now you still start have this. You see, Russian is expanding now to these people here are non-Russian people, the Komi, this Mansi, Hanti, they still exist, these people, Mari. They are non-Russian, non-Slavic people. Mostly they speak languages that they are, some of them are Turkic, most of them are like, uh, like uh, more affiliated to today's uh, Finnish and Hungarian for some reason. And the expansion of Russia is taking place in the East now. They will go, now, now this is what we call Siberia roughly, roughly here at the beginning. And Russians are expanding now towards their lands. These people are still exist now. They are subordinate. I mean, they are part of Russia, but they still exist. They speak languages. They have distinct, even physical features. But this is not interesting very much for us. Russia is expanding to this part. But let's go back because we are already today almost. So let's stop to the year fifteen hundred when we stopped. Year fifteen hundred. Let's go to the political map. Do you agree? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, so this is roughly the picture. So now already similar maps now. The more you come close together, the more to today, the more they will look kind of similarish, kind of. Uh, so you see, now the Lithuania started to lose ground, and M- Moscow like proto-Russia are gaining ground in the Ukrainian lands. So, so you see, the more you move to town, the more you see them. Now it became Russia, not Moscow. Okay, now it became Russia is historical reason is because now they, they, they declare, like now is the beginning of the Tsardom of, of Russia. Now a Russian ruler declared himself, I'm the Tsar. Okay, this is okay. this has to do also with with the history of the Orthodox people in general. I mean, this is like like hundred years after the. There's no 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 Byzantine Empire here, isn't it? No. Like now there are the Ottomans after the middle of the fifteenth yeah. century. So after the fall of op, what is this? After the fall of Constantinople which was the leading Orthodox country, you, you have no Orthodox state now I, I, in the South, but you have one, which in the North, Moscow. So the proto, these Russians, the Moscovites, they waited 100 years after the fall of Constantinople in 1453 to declare that our because Orthodox people, the, I mean, this is how Orthodoxy works historically. The empire of Constantinople is kind of spiritual, also kind of leader of the Orthodox. So the, the Moscovites, they wouldn't say we have a, an empire, a Tsar, kind of, because the empire is in Constantinople. But after th- there were no political Orthodox authority, after the 1453, the only 
political authority in Orthodox world. He was the, 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 the leader of, of Moscow, of this proto-Russia. So they waited for a century to understand, <laughs> I mean, to accept that, okay, no Orthodox ruler will be anymore in Constantinople, and we are the third Rome. We are the second Constantinople. So from the moment that Moscow became Russia, we, the, the Tsardom of Russia, it symbolized a kind of that the Russians understood that, so like roughly middle of the middle of the sixteenth uh, century, is like the Russians understood that now we are the leaders of orthodoxy, politically, and so it's very important for history in general. So, so before the the center of orthodoxy was here. Now, already 100 years, we don't have a, a political slash spiritual leader because the empire is 100 years gone. So, so when you see the city... Which was Constantine... The last one. Constantine, whatever, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Many Constantines in, in the Byzantine history. Um, so that's why you see the change. In, when you see the change from Moscow to Russia, it means that the Russians understood that we are starting to become the leader of Orthodox world. And this is the beginning also of the doctrine. Okay, it's a bit before the doctrine of the third Rome. Like first Rome is this Rome. Second Rome is Constantinople. After the fall of Constantinople in 1453, we took the Orthodox world under our leadership, the Russians, kind of. So that's the change of the name the, okay. the guys here use. So you see the time passes and the Russian is expanding more in, in the expense of the Ukrainian land, but still you have Lithuania and Poland. More. So already a part of Ukraine is already a part of Russia, let's say. But people of this part already had the experience of a century at least living under the... And they are Christians. All, all the people, these Slavs living here, called Ruthenians, according to the other map, they are they remain Orthodox, a part of this small part that they became this Greek Catholic thing. They are Orthodox living under Catholics. So now you see a change in the name. We don't have Poland anymore. After the middle of the 6th century, you have Polish, Lithuanian Commonwealth. Poland and, and Lithuania became one. They agreed to, to form a commonwealth. So you, you see them as a, a single country. So you have Poles living here, you have Lithuanians living here, you have Eastern Slavs living here, but under the same rule, Pol Lithuanian rule, Catholic rule anyway. Did they have maps back then? Not that accurate because they had no satellites. So if you see map of that time, it resembled those maps, but they are kind of funny. Because, I mean, they couldn't see from far away what's going on. I mean, but the more you go towards time, the more efficient they became. And, and if you go, uh, and like, 19th century, still no satellites beginning, but still you see maps that they are quite okay kind of. Why are you asking me this question? I don't know. <laughs> they couldn't visualize all these things. That's <laughs> Anyway, uh, the historians of that time had a more hard time to express themselves anyway uh, 
So, why are we waiting like that? Interesting, you see all, so you see eastern part, Russian-ish kind of, western part, uh, under this Catholic uh, rule, different ones, more close to the west because they're Catholics. And here you still see the rule of non-Russians, not uh, Polish-Lithuanians, but these Tatars. Tatars are Muslims, and they speak Turkish, they're totally different. And the invisible, my beloved Cossacks, somewhere here, already start existing. People that they, they were free-spirited, okay, I romanticize them a little bit, but um, I like them so much. <laughs> okay, free-spirited people, they didn't like to live under the oppression of a, of a, of a king. They came in this sparsely inhabited lands and they form, start forming communities. You don't see them on the map. In the map, you see Catholic rule, Muslim rule, and Orthodox rule. Anyway, uh, I think they will never show them this map. I mean, okay, is 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 not very much mentioned in the international map. There was a an interesting big state, semi autonomous in in a part of history became totally autonomous, like. Hedemanate, it's called the, Tat the, the the Kazakhs. They were living here, they were, they had the distinct Slavic Orthodox culture influenced by the Tatars. That's why the Kazakhs until today, they are very much associated with the horse. And they are very good in horses. I mean, they're very good uh, warriors, fighters on horses because they got influenced by their neighbors. They were living in the lands that they were controlled by nobody. And it's very important for the Ukrainian history, but. I think you will not see them. You don't often see them on the map. So, so already there mu must have been another state here, kind of state of these people, free-minded people that they wanted to live, like separate from organized states, especially those because the Cossacks of here, they, they are Orthodox. So they are fleeing, especially this Catholic rule, but I guess also this rule because Oppression can be also from your fellows because social oppression is maybe worse than religious oppression or ethnic oppression. Anyway, so there's something invisible here, the beginning of the Cossack state. I think they will, it will not show never on the map. Turkic rule, Cossacks, Catholic rule, you see the changes roughly. So middle of the 17th century, you start up, you see Russians war with Polish-Lithuania, occupy almost all of Ukraine now. Polish-Lithuania small. It was a kind of battle, I don't remember what happened here. And So Russia is expanding. So, it's, okay, starting from the 1500s, you see less and less part of, of uh, today's Ukrainian is living under the Lithuanian Polish influence. More the more the time passes, bigger and bigger parts are living under the Russians. And the Tatars are still here in the south with the Tatars and maybe this, I mean, this Cossacks already exist somewhere here in the between the two. But anyway, so, but this will not stay like this. Okay. So they, was a war, some war. We will find it, we will put it, I guess, afterwards. They fought, the Russians uh, advanced, there was a treaty kind of, so they went back. 
So Ukraine is again divided, middle of the 17th century, Eastern Ukraine under Russia, under the Catholic Poles, influenced by the Poles linguistically, culturally under the West, Muslims, <laughs> Turks. And already now is the, here it's, a, it's an invisible state, the Cossacks. Okay. Uh, the Cossacks are told that they are Eastern Slavs, they're living here in today's Ukraine, ancestors of today's Ukrainians somehow, but Orthodox. So if you move kind of the same picture roughly, so we're approaching which date here? <laughs> the date of Elon Musk. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you can't forget it. <laughs> when Elon said it, it, it it's like a dogma. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so Crimea is still under the under this uh, Muslim Tatar Turkish speaking. Nothing Russian here. Nothing resembling Russian here. Are the Cossack, whatever, Lithuanian, Russians. Ukraine is divided between these two powers. We're reaching the year 800, 1800, end of the 18th century. And you see, okay, again, a war. Russia is crushing the Lithuanians. And after roughly this time, most part of Ukraine will be under the Russians roughly end of the 18th century after these developments. So when is the year of Elon? Let's see when the year of Elon. 1783. Okay, let's approach it. Let's, let, let's just look up something changed here. What changed? Crimea. Crimean Hanate got the same color with Russia, but different. Okay, this is the time now of the Russian Tesh Turkish wars and, and, and Russian-Polish wars. Because it was the Ottoman Empire okay. down. If you, if you go even back in time, you see you can turn the Ottomans and do things differently. The Ottomans already control this part of southern Ukraine. The Crimeans, long before, after this moment, you see now th they have the color of the of, of the golden horde. Now they have no color, and now they have a similar color with with the Ottomans. I guess, <laughs> in the in the logic of this map, when the you have similar colors, you have similar political uh, affiliation. So, after roughly this moment, the Tatars, being Muslim and Turkic speaking, very closely related to the Ottomans, they became vassals of the Ottomans. So they accepted the Ottomans. And even a, a small part of Ukraine, you see the southern of Ukraine, is just Ottoman. So the Ottomans, after the middle of the 15th century, expanded to these lands, to Crimea and the lands around Crimea. Okay? And now you have indirectly Ottoman control directly this is a, this is a, a, a um, oh my god <laughs> this is a bailik 
how it's called. It's, it's like a region of the Ottomans. This mm-hmm. is directly Ottoman Empire. So South Ukraine, South Crimea, Ottoman Empire, like direct rule. And here is like Tatars that obey to the Sultan of Kostan of Istanbul. Interest. So as you approach, you see similar picture in Crimea because now, now we're focusing Crimea. So if, as you approach the Elon's date, 1783, you see that until now is still the same picture. Ottomans, Ottomans, the whole South Ukraine, you see the whole South Ukraine after like, where is this? I mean, after the end of the, roughly the end of the 15th century, the beginning of the 16th century, the south part of Ukraine is already not uh, Polish-Lithuanian, not uh, Russian, but Turkic Muslim. Okay. It doesn't mean that here the place is full of Turks, living Turks, I mean, and here full of Tatars. I mean, I told you here Slavic people were living, the, Tat- the, 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 the ancestors of the, of the, of the Cossacks, these this, uh, free-spirited people I, I told you before. But, but it looks like here is like the, the, the rule of Muslim Turkic speaking, Muslim Turkic speaking, Ottomans, roughly. So after this year, you have three kinds of powers in, in Ukraine. The Russian part, the Polish-Lithuanian part, and, and the Turkish Muslim kind of part. Orthodox, Catholics, Muslims. So let, let's see what happened in the year of Elon. So, so this is roughly the period of Wars of Russian Empire. You see that wars. Wars, yeah. You you see that the name changed in Russia when yeah. it changed. It's called now Russian Empire. So after this beginning of the 18th century, Russia is not anymore a tsardom. The Russian ruler is not a tsar. He started call themselves empire. I think this is a time of Peter the Great, the tsar who first. I'm not sure anyway, but I think Peter the Great, so before it was Ivan the Terrible, who said, I'm not anymore a prince. There's no Byzantine rule. This is what happened in the middle of the 16th century. I'm not, I'm not anymore a prince. There's no Byzantine empire, my Orthodox ruler. So I can call myself Amdetsar. So middle of the 16th century, the Russians call themselves Tsardom and the ruler called itself Tsar. Tsar? Is you know the czar, czar, czar is the is the same name like empire. For for the for the Romans even in the old Roman times, but also for the Byzantines. So, so naming themselves czar means that now we are the rulers of the of the Orthodox world of the Orthodox world. So now another move, beginning of the 18th century. Uh, we need batteries. Yeah, we can do another 10 minutes. I think we will need more. <laughs> <laughs> In the pace we go. <laughs> anyway. Okay. The Russians, by naming the, their selves empire, I think it's Peter the, the first, they are now, they identify themselves like an empire. Empire is more Western name. Tsar is like more, more Eastern Orthodox name. So after this moment, the Russians believe that they are one of the Western powers. 
of the European powers. After the name emperor appears here, the Russians have the feeling that we are one of the Europeans. Peter the Great, the Russian Tsar who became emperor, I guess, he, he was very much impressed by the West. And he wanted to convert Russia into, into a Western power. So we roughly reached the, the, the middle of the 18th century. And um, this is the, those years. I mean, the 18th century is, is the century of the wars of the Russians against the Ottomans and against the Polish-Lithuanians. And, and it's, it's a period of the expansion of the Russian Empire in the expense of the Ottomans and the Crimean Tatars and the Polish-Lithuanians. So let's go to the linguistic map just to see, update what's going on until the, until the middle of the 18th century. So we see this Ruthenian thing. It's interesting to see when those guys will put the Ruthenians divided into Belarusians and and Ukrainians, isn't it? So you see, Ruthenian language is still... So, so far, no, no Ukrainians showed on maps. U Ukrainian is still here. How can it be not? But, but you can't really talk according to them. You can't really talk about a, a distinct uh, Belarusian and the Ukrainian language because they're so close. So they, you can't divide them. It's like one linguist, like one species. They can still reproduce, kind of mutually understand each other. Interesting to see when they will put... Oh, so they put them very, very late, you see, in the... Like... So according to these guys, it's like... It's like middle of the... of the 19th century... According to them, you can't talk about Ukrainian, Ukrainian and Belarusian distinct. <laughs> okay, very it, recent. It could be. I mean, we shouldn't. The last two hundred. Yeah, but it, it that is not necessarily right. This thing, but roughly we see the picture that sometime you can really talk about distinct Ukrainian and Belarusian. But this is the time that Ukrainians already started to want a literary language. They want to write it down. They, they, that was the time when they had to t decide their alphabet. If it's going to be Latin, if it's going to be... So, so you can't deny after the I mean, beginning of the 19th century that you have a Ukrainian language distinct from the, from the Belarusian because it's the, time of, it's the time of the standardization of the language. That they have to write it down. When you write it down, then you can't really talk about just idioms and dialects that uh, they are really similar or not. You, when you write down the language, and it's not anymore like a, a dialect continuum, as they say in linguistics, it's a language. That's why at least after the year 1800, you have to talk about a language because already Ukrainians have their literature, both Ukrainian, this part, I mean, you have the Ukrainians in, in the, oh, what happened? The end of the video. Ah, I was going. If you are old, you can't. Okay. <laughs> so you can't deny that when you have a written language, you have. It's, it's clear that this is a language. They write their language down. They write in, in different differently than Belarusians and whatever. So in both parts, because Ukraine, don't forget that is still we will see. A, 
until the middle of the 19th century is a part is in Russia with their own, own intelligentsia, own intellectuals living under the Russians that they desire to have a different language. And also the, the ones that they were living in the Western part and the Polish and Lithuanian and as we will see after under Austrian rule, that they desire to have their own language. So you understand what I mean? Yeah. Both those that live under the Western Catholic rule and those that they are living under the Orthodox rule. Both started feeling like intellectually Ukrainians. So that's why they have to declare it even here. I mean, that now you have a distinct Ukrainian language. So, ah, so that's the difference. Because yeah. now they write it down, it's different. I mean, they have an alphabet, they write down in both parts, the Russian and the... Anyway, so, so I think this is no use anymore to use this map because now we see what we want to it's see. It's ending. Yeah, now we, we see the picture. I mean, they, that's it. The, the Western Slavs, Russian... Ukrainian language was Elon Musk. Eastern Slav. Elon Musk is political. <laughs> so we ha- we see the three co- constituent part of the West of the Eastern Slavic languages, main parts. So so political now. We are in the middle of the 18th century. Russia is st- it's expanding in the Ukrainian lands in the south against the Ottoman and the Tatar allies, and more northwards in the central and western part against the Polish Lithuanians, the Catholics. So if you leave it going on like this, you see, okay, after the year, now let's focus to Crimea now. Hope not. By the way, our goal with this is to show the fact without bias of opinion I this tr- is, I try this is what we aspire to do here I try not to be influenced because now uh, uh, very hot things are happening I mean very and dynamically change things and very I mean emotional and I try to distinct myself of what I feel about what's going on now in Ukraine and just <laughs> anyway try to understand what Elon wanted to say <laughs> anyway so they what what's happening in Crimea now before the year 1783 of Elon's you see until 1758 the 1767 the color is the Ottoman color so the the Tatars here they're still affiliated to the Ottomans they still are not a part of the Russian Empire they like yeah. have their own state And after a certain point, okay, after the year 1700 kind of thing, you see another color here. And this color is closer to which color? To Russia. So as, as, as a result of this Ottoman-Russian wars that they already take place in that time, the Russians now occupy Crimea and they expel the Ottomans and the part of the Tatars. Okay, the Tatars stay, most of them, but after this point, they already are forced to start obeying to the, to the Russians. So Crimea, it starts looking more towards like Russia, but still is not the year of Elon. Let's see what happened in the year of Elon. What, what, what change do you think? What happened? It became 
completely, completely. Russian so, empire. So, so when the Russians occupied the Crimean Khanate, they gave 1783. them... 1783. No, when they occupied them first, when they changed the color, but still was distinct. Was distinct like a, a yellow, a, a, a shade of yellow. You could... They, 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 they occupied them, defeating the Ottomans. They, they occupied the... Okay, you see, they defeat the Ottomans. Now, after the 1774, I guess, anyway, something like that, after this, now the Russian-Turkish war is going on. Now they occupy them. They, they defeated the Ottomans, but they gave them autonomy. So the Khan here accepted the, the Russian authority, but still is, it's an, a different state. But under the the dominion of the Russians. Like it's a vassal, vassal kind of state. But in the year of Elon, now the Russians abolish the, the, the Tatar autonomy that they granted them like 10 years ago. And now it's just a part of Russia. So what Elon means is that this land, this Crimea, since 1783, isn't it what the, the tweet says? It, it's a part of Russia. This is what he meant. Until part of which Russia? Different Russia, Russian Empire. The so Soviet Union. Soviet Union became after in the 1920s. So, okay, it's not the same Russia, but it's like the ancestor of Russia. So it's a kind of Russian. Okay. So what the Russians did, these are the southern Ukrainian lands now. And, and we still have a part of Ukraine uh, now uh, towards the end of the of the of the 18th century we have a part of Ukraine that is Russian a big part southern Crimea a part that is small part in the south that is still a part of the Ottomans and half of it still a part of Polish Lithuanians and if you move towards time you see up the Ottomans the, the, the Russians are expanding now now all of Ukraine roughly is part of Russia a part of the a very western part is important Kiev no no Ki Kiev is here okay. the very western part the very western part it's this color here it says Galicia here isn't it I, I can't see it says Galicia here isn't it yeah. Okay, this is a, a kingdom within this formation. So if we go a bit back, you see, you have the Austrian Empire. Okay. So after this, the Polish Lithuanians disappear from the history of Ukraine after their defeat by the Ottomans. And after the end of the ninth, after the end of the 18th century, you have. Wait, wait, Hungary, Poland, Hungary. When let's stop when we see the Austrian thing up here. So anyway, uh, this is now this color here is the o Austrian Empire. After yeah. it will change its name as a Austro-Hungary, still a very Western country, German speaking, but also Hungarians. This Galicia. It's like a kingdom of Ukrainians, man. I mean, this is the land of Ukrainians. Of course, it was not just Ukrainians, but like Poles and 
and Hungarians and others living here. But it's like a kingdom which is a part of Austria. So, so after this end, end this kind of, of, the, of the 18th century, the Poland-Lithuania disappear as a political entity from the Ukrainian history. And you have another Western uh, power, the, 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 the Austrian one. With, with the Ukrainians still living, the Western Ukraine, but the biggest part of the country, even the South, is now Russia. So, so you see Austrian Empire. So now you have a small Western part living... But now Moldova is Russian as well. Okay, not, don't mix with Moldova. Okay, Russians also occupied Moldova. And they, they are, are expanding in the expense of the Ottomans. But this is outside our scope so much now. So this is what's happening now. So you, you still have these two kinds of Ukraine, Western and Eastern, more close to Russia, more close to the West. And even those parts of Ukraine, this very South ones, that they were inhabited by the Tatar. Ah, by the way, the Tatars... The, the, so, uh, sorry, the Cossacks, after the expansion of Russia into their lands, they accepted, I mean, the, the, they formed a coalition with the Russians, they became a part of Russia. Eastern Slavs, uh, Christian Orthodox, it was easy for them to, to agree to, I mean, to come under the Russian rule. Of course, they would like to be independent, I guess, but they disappeared. And also the Tatar lands everywhere, you see now Russia, so even th those places here that they were dispersed populated because you know the, the Tatars they were like nomads, so they, they didn't really form like villages, settled villages and towns. So those places were like kind of emptyish, a part of some the south and Ukraine, a part of some Tatars that they were like nomads moving here, and the Cossacks that they were living a bit up here. But the Cossacks, even in the Cossacks region, it was like sparsely inhabited. So after this development in the beginning of the 19th century, these empty-ish kind of lands, they were inhabited by, by settlers. They were settled. So most of the towns that they are existing now in Crimea and southern Ukraine, like Odessa, like Kherson, Mariupol, and all these southern Ukrainian towns, they were not there before the beginning of the 19th century. And they are all constructed from the Russians. So here in the South, you have many people that they are not really from, they are settlers. And there were settlers from many places. Some of them were from the Ukrainian-speaking land that they seek territory and, I mean, the Russians would give them land. And so what? Settlers, what they do? The, the set. This is the land that they still speak the Russian language, and they. I mean, until the. I mean, 2014. I don't. I don't know what happened after 2013. I don't. I don't want to comment anyway. But these are the eastern and, and the southern part that they were more, like talking, more talking Russian instead of Ukrainian, and more looking for 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 inspiration towards the Russian side. So, why is that? Because they are eastern more more centuries living under the Russian rule instead of the Western rule. And in the South, Tatars left. Okay, Tatars still, until today, they live in, in Crimea, some of them, but it's not such an important factor anymore. So empty lands that they were like 
colonized by Russian settlers, more affiliated to the Russians. So that's why you have Eastern and Southern part more like culturally and linguistically close to Russia. And the Western part, that is still, you can see this part, Galicia, is still under, under the Western rule. So the division starts looking like now, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of. Even those people here that they are now living under Russia, like central Ukraine, we, we should mention this Dnieper River, but anyways, we can also talk without mentioning, but it's very important that the history anyway. Even the people here in, in the western part of this huge river that divides the country, now they are under Russian, but they lived many, many, many centuries under the influence of the Poles and other western, so they already have their identity, even if they live under the Russians much more those that they are still, since many, many centuries, still are not in part of Russia. No wonder why in the very west of Ukraine, the people are more stressing their difference from their Russian, I mean, from Russia, than the central Ukrainians. That's why in the western part in Galicia, you have more people that they are more feeling a distinct identity that they are Ukrainians. Because mm -hmm. the more you go towards the west, yeah, the I more you find people that they live more time under Russian rule. No, the more you go to the West, ah, the less centuries they spend yeah. under Western. But the more you go to the East, the more centuries they spend. So the more familiar they were with the culture, <coughs> yeah. they wanted to get as closer to the culture. They kind of feel more, more close. And in the South, that you have this distinct history of settlers, kind of. With the settlers, they are from many places, some Ukraine, some Russia, some even from the Balkans, many came, Bulgarians and Gagaus and Greeks, Germans. But because they were like, like, like a melting pot, they, they more, more uh, uh, accumulated the Russianish kind of, I mean, the ruling culture. That's why you see this division. But, but if, you, if you keep on going in time, you still see this part under Austria. You see, we already reached the, the end of the 19th century and still these people are still not, have nothing to do with Russians. Distinct yeah, identity yeah, yeah, for yeah. many, many, many centuries. So, so, so that's, <coughs> that's why there is a big cultural... A strong, a, a strong differentiation between the West part and the one... Yeah, you have the Western part that they are strictly... Because they, they lived so many years under yeah, the centuries and centuries and centuries and they form their identity being Westerners. That's why they are, until today they want more clothes because they, more ties with the West because of the many, many, many centuries. Until now, the year 1970, which is the, the beginning of the Soviet Union, the revolution, you still see that they still not a part of Russia. Yeah. You see... And then you have this, this part of Ukraine, Kiev and all this around, there are many centuries a part of Russia, but the centuries they live as a part of, uh, of the Western part was enough to make them having distinct identity. And you go to the South, the settlers more identify with the kind of Russians and, and this pop population that there were not that many. And in the more the more you go twist, the more they feel more familiar to the, with the Russian because they were living more centuries. This is roughly the history of Ukraine, and this is a division roughly. So now this is the year of the end of the Russian Empire. So f 
until the 1920s, let, let's see how it, it will go like this. Russian Empire, Russia, oh, USSR. So after the year, oh, okay, Russian Empire, Russian Empire, people still here, okay, USSR. USSR and Poland. Now, now there's no Hungary, no, no Austria and Hungary here. You have Poland. So after the First World War and, and the First World War is same time. It ended in the 1918. Yeah. So 1918, end of the war. 1970, the beginning of the civil war in Russia. The civil war created the, the, the USSR. So after 1922, 1924, now we stopped anyway. It's okay. You have this picture. Soviet Union. Within the Soviet Union... You have the Ukrainian SSSR, as I told you, the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic. And is <coughs> most y of Ukraine is in the USSR. Yeah, as a distinct political entity, as, as a distinct state, kind of yeah, like. Yeah. Soviet, like United States of America. Yeah, like a distinct so so Soviet Socialist Republic. So here you have like kind of Ukraine until here. And here you have like Russia, this, the part of Crimea. Crimea, but it's a part of what now? USSR. But, but which part of USSR, according to Elon? Uh, Russia. Yeah. So it was Ukraine, Russia, Crimea. That's why Elon said Khrushchev mistake. Because according to this logic, oh, let's go back to where we were. Why we don't stop? Let's go back where we were. Okay. <laughs> oh, you see it better now. You see now, now you see this, the beginning of the Ukrainian state that agreed to, Beyond you see, the, now yes. we are already two years of the civil war. Now it, here is a mess. It's an arrest. Uh, I mean, you can't really understand. It's complicated, but you see that a Ukrainian state that was Start existing after the civil war. What is that? Civil war is a war within Russian Empire, which which uh, transformed it into the USSR. So, but but it's also things are happening in the West because 1918 is the end of the First World War. So you have changes, radical changes, also in the West. So that's why Poland appeared before. Before in this Western Ukrainian lands was no Poland, was uh, Austria. So Poland. G gain ground after the end of the First World War. And that's why they expanded in the land of the, of the Ukrainians. Now you see, these two entities, Russia and Ukraine, the communists took over kind of, and they decide to become one after this year 1990. You see this line is not anymore there. So the, the Ukrainian revolutionaries, they decided to join the USSR as a separate entity. Kind of. So this is USSR. This is the year 1923 now, roughly this time. You have this, this picture. A part of Ukraine, the Western Ukraine, living under Poland, Western Catholic still. I mean, this so many, many, many centuries still not under Russians. And the Ukrainians under the Eastern and Central and whatever Ukrainians, Southern Ukrainians, under the Soviet Union, is not Russia, but still it's, it was very Russianized anyway, still 
in, ve- in conduct with Russians because in the same country. So Crimea is kind of not debatable that is closer to Russia. That is it, to the... That it should be a part of Russia. What, what do you mean? Uh, it should be a part of Russia. I, I don't want to judge this. Uh, <laughs> Elon call it mistake. <laughs> mistake? Crutch of mistake. What do you mean? Uh, according to Elon's tweet, you mean you mean now in 1923 where we are now or or in in the year that it became in the year of Khrushchev like 1950s when it shifted so what do you mean it shouldn't shift it should stay in russia no yeah it shouldn't shift <laughs> geographically it makes more sense to be a part of ukraine I don't want to judge it because I don't want to judge now. Oh, it's inter- yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? Because I want, I want, don't want to be biased. And according to Elon, is the will of the people anyway. But it's tricky. That's why Elon proposed a, a referendum under the UN, even for for those places here, when was Donetsk, Lugansk, and Zaporozhye and Hestor, where the referendums took place, and Elon proposed to have a a more a more uh, unbiased referendum so so you know it, it was a part of russia but before it was a part of tatars then why not go giving giving back to the tatars because there are no tatars yes there are tatars so you could grant them autonomy and give the power to the tatars because historically there were many many as you not in many many centuries but after this time there were so many so few tatars and so much more Russian and other settlers. So if you ask the people roughly in this time, when it was decided whether it will be part of Russia or a part of Ukraine, because before 1920s, there's no Russia, no Ukraine, it's just it's empire. Somebody would say, not Ukraine, not Russia, a different uh, Tatar uh, Soviet Socialist Republic, why not? We're not here to judge. I don't want to judge because I, you know, I, it is emotional thing. You know, what I feel like, I mean, but but the history could unfold in whatever ways. So you have Soviet Union you know, still, you know, you, close to the Second World War and still a part of Ukraine. Never saw the Russians after. You remember after when? After middle of the 14th century, like 500, 600 years, I live apart this western part and now we're almost in our time you see 1933 people still live that they were living in 1933 anyway so they say this happened until the first world war first world war changes everything now so this is roughly um, i want to stop before the first the second world war so i stop here now it's like still the same picture roughly you see 1938 beginning of this of the first world war and still you have this division this part part of soviet union more close to russia in the same state and still this western ukraine part of poland western country linguistically influenced etc etc by these western slavs so then it's it's a mess after th- after this year, it's a mess. First World War, up and down, up and down. 
if you want to understand the new picture, you have to go after the, the end of the war, which is like 45, let's say, oh, 46. Wow. So now you have the situation that lasted until... Wait, go back when Germany occupied everything? If we, if we if we talk about the Second World we will stay here. So and I don't know the details so much. Okay. So 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 we we want to stop r- right at the end of the Second World War. Like uh, Germany occupied so many stuff. But for for a couple of years. So because it's a war time. I mean the army went there it was a war situation. It was not like a settled country. You can't call Germany. I mean if Germany stayed here for a year, you don't call it German. It's a war. It's occupied. It's occupation. Anyway, so this is the, the picture that stays until 1990s. For the first time, the Western Ukrainians are now a part of Soviet Union, are now the same state like the Russians. They live in the same state like the Russians. They are many centuries ago. Some of them already 400 years. Some of them Depends. The more you go to the West, the more you found them affiliated to the Russians. The more you go to the South, the more affiliated to the Russians culturally because they are these settlers and this kind of stuff. So now, now it make, it's clear, this South, East, Northwest division. First time they see the Russians. First time they live together. No wonder why they feel totally different <laughs> after the, so many centuries living under Western countries. No wonder why they look towards the West, especially the Western Ukrainians. So this is a picture until now. This is Soviet Union, Soviet Union, Poland, Soviet Union. This is Western Ukraine. And they will stay like this. What happened now here? What happened here? The fall of USSR. The fall of USSR and you have independent Ukraine, independent Russia, independent Belarus. And this is today's picture, why they are white, and you have to understand this white color anyway. So, and this is the year exactly when I started explaining to you about the situation. So, in the year 1950-something, it was the decision of Khrushchev, who, who was the, the leader of the Soviet Union, decided for practical reasons to shift this peninsula, Crimea, which was a part of Russia since 1783, but then underwent other, other developments, and before it was a part of the Tatar, so it's not so easy to just say it was Russia all the time. Anyway, what's important is that people understand each other now, they found <laughs> a solution, they don't kill each other, there's no war. In Crimea. Anywhere, everywhere. In, I mean, Crimea is now under Russian... Ah, you're talking about 2001. 2001, that everything started, roughly. I mean, this, the beginning of division of people that look towards the West and people to look towards the East. And But the thing is that, okay, people, I, I, don't, I don't want to judge. Right? If there is a referendum, what will be the outcome? Even if it's a UN director, as Elon proposed, What we have now, But it's a war. The will of the people is unknown under this, these conditions. Anyway, what's important is that people understand the truth 
who knows what the outcome, but whatever the outcome will be of the war, people will have to live together anyway. So, so yeah, these the people challenge. here should understand those people here anyway and the other way around. Because you see, all these historical developments make them have this distinct identity, but still, they call themselves Ukrainians. I mean, even people in the very southeast that they feel they don't want to be part of the West, they want to be closely affiliated to Russia, they speak Russian, they look like Russians, they say we are Ukrainians. So they had their identity, these people, for some reason. These people in the south, because of the this Cossack state in the south, because of the maybe 100, 200 years living apart from the Russians, those people clearly why they feel not Russian because of all this Western influence and linguistic and everything. But for some reason, and those people and those people feel Ukrainian. So they, were, they are kind of one identity. So Ukrainian identity is like have two, po- two, two, two sides, like two kinds. And I think both they have to respect each other somehow. Both have to understand each other. Whatever the outcome of the war, even in Cyprus, whatever the outcome will be after a solution, even if there is two states in Cyprus, North Turkish and South Greek, if we live all together, one, we have to understand each other because in Cyprus we have similar problems. We don't recognize, we don't know our history. The history of Cyprus for the Turkish people is a different story, for the Greek people is a different story. If we don't learn the truth, we can't reconcile. And everybody agrees that whatever is the outcome of the war, even if it's a total victory of the Ukrainians and take back even Crimea and everything, they will have to deal with the sentiment of the, of the people in the South and East, whatever the outcome is. Neighbors and people that live in the same place, whatever they are, and everybody, they have to be friends in this world. I mean, we have to understand each other, but I mean, this historical na- narration I, I, I said now is, if it's the right one or if it's the wrong one, at least this question I put, they have to be answered by, by all Ukrainians. Why in the South and in the East they feel closely, closerly, m- more closely related to the Russian somehow identity and in the West, Northwest, more close to the, to the West? None of them are traitors of their identity, because both narr- narr- narratives are kind of truth. They, ha- they spend a lot of time in the, apart from the Russians in the West, they spend also parts of the country, parts that they were together with the Russians, some of them more, some of them less. If you go very back in time, you found them all being the same. If you go more back in time, you found all the Slavs being the same. If you go very back for back in time, all the Indo-Europeans, if you have a look in this map, we are one. So it, history, you, you interpret it as, as you want. History is like, the, as it's been described, is the present determine the, the past. It's like the children determine who the parents are. It's like the children give birth to their parents. Somebody said this, I don't remember. So, if we will decide now who are our ancestors, we have to understand that this is not how things go. Like history created us, and if we want to understand and reconcile whatever and live together, we have to understand that we are the children and 
history is there and we have to discover it, not to invent it. A kind of Interesting. something like that. And I became kind of <laughs> anyway. It, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> This was like a how we say a, a book that you uh, say to kids like like a, a fairy tale. Yeah, like a fairy tale. You explained us the all the things <sighs> very simply, like a fairy tale. I was like sitting here very relaxed, and I think <laughs> I understood Elon Musk tweet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, f- the first two parts at least. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know I know it <laughs> and all these teachers. You know, I I I learned them because I was very interested in in a part of this map, like this part of the southern, this part, this part of Ukraine I know very well, and this part of Moldova I know very well because here lives the Gagaus, people that I I studied very much as an amateur. I'm not a historian. I'm not, I'm not a linguist, and I lived many many years among them, so. I know these things just because I know this place. So, so uh, again, I repeat, they sh- I mean, people shouldn't trust exactly what I said. I think the big picture is roughly what I said, but I think I put the questions that have to be answered by somebody who wants to understand the history of Ukraine, even if my answers and my explanation were, were wrong. You anyway. see. You see, guys, how lucky I am that I have such a teacher to explain me everything I want. You have to see how I explain him the other things of Elon said. <laughs> All right. It was a, a time I was explaining him what the difference between physics and the, and the information theory and, <laughs> and so many other things anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I love you. I Thank you so much. Love you to all. Love the Ukrainian people. Yeah. Much love to the Russian people, to the Ukrainian every, people, to everyone in the world. Every people, anyway. So we're going to do a lot of podcasts with my teacher in the future, <laughs> twice a year. I probably. hope more close to physics and my expertise because I'm, anyway, I'm shy to to talk about things that historians had to talk anyway. But <laughs> goodbye, okay, people. Okay, bye bye. See you guys. <laughs>